Yeah, yeah, we're 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 rolling, we're rolling coal, we're rolling, we're rolling coal. <laughs> you know, there was like, there was like a really fun time in the '90s where like Dan Castellaneta was like on a lot of sitcoms, but mm. no one recognized him as Homer because mm. his normal speaking voice he just doesn't use it on The Simpsons in like any character at all mm, so yeah, he true. could very easily disguise himself as things and so we were we've been working our way through everybody loves raymond right now which the first season oh. pretty hard to watch like it's, not it's rough very yeah. good or funny and, 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 and a then, bad like opening they wanted to do sort of a theme song without a theme song and then later they were just like oh yeah no no opening sequence at all yeah, yeah. no it's just raymond like building like a ch- like a child's playground and getting trapped in it while explaining the very simple premise of the show <laughs> and then they realize oh we don't have to do this anymore um but dan castellaneta shows up as like a fussy sort of like pta dad who's like running the soccer league or mm. whatever and it's just so nice to see my exact hairstyle represented on screen just the full uh back and sides rocking it being with his with a sexy wife it makes me feel good about myself i, I was i was messaging you aj i i think you're kind of entering your peter friedman era yeah um like having found some pictures of sexy peter friedman from sort of around your age yeah uh, i think i think this is huge for you and you're going into a show too so you're going to be able to really lean into the persona yeah yeah more like peter fuckman Mm. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the worst of all possible worlds, the first and only podcast that leans into sexy Peter Friedman. Right. I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. I'm the worst of all possible AJ's. And I'm the worst of all possible Josh's. And uh, we're back for another week of case studies in the pop culture of a dying empire. And it's just us boys. It's just, just us boys. boys. Fuck these episodes of Adventures oh, in Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, they were it a is, little too adult for AJ. He this, didn't understand yeah, that. It, mm. Yeah, that's actually, that's a question, AJ. Yeah, the, the, yeah, you know, we're going back here now to Wits End one more time for some more Wits Endless Summer. Just one more time? <laughs> one, this yeah. is it? One no. more time before finally the devious Dutchman returns in March. Yeah. Josh is right here. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's me. No, I'm not the devious Dutchman. I'm the deviant. Dutchman. Oh, yeah, that's mine. That I love guy. your deviant art account. It's Thank just you. nothing but Goku's. Yeah, you know it. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's uh, it's in the summer, of course, uh, continues apace as we listen to more episodes of Adventures in Odyssey, the evangelical Christian radio drama produced by Focus on the Family. As we close in also on our visit to Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80995, to celebrate their 1,000th episode, Ooh. Uh, how did it feel to you guys to return once again for the first time this year to Odyssey? Uh, bad, real bad, because <laughs> yeah. well, so I had a really bad time with these, Josh, and I'm so mad right? that, that, that yeah. you've made me, done this to me again. Okay. okay, I'm not allowing Josh to take credit for something that is 100% my virtuous doing. <laughs> That's uh, true. You know, I didn't pick these episodes. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, okay. this, this is, yeah, this was like, I don't know. Adventures in Odyssey's version of Come and See. For some reason, I thought you were going to say it's version of Come and Seaman. And I was like, (laughs) get your fucking mind out of the gutter. And then I realized it was my brain that was in the gutter. That was a very famous porn parody of of the Soviet classic (laughs) Come and See. 
<laughs> no, this is where the protein is. This is really where you where Odyssey gets yeah. its protein. We're bulking this, up. This is an episode that has a two-parter and then two other single episodes, but it's really kind of a three-parter. Yeah. And and really in a in a theoretical sense, it's a four-parter of just watching people get more and more miserable. Yeah, in this Odyssey. is a parade of suffering, is the yeah. best way I can describe these episodes. Yeah. yeah, was McCusker going through like a divorce at the time? Like <laughs> no, what the I was fuck? Say, who, no, he's Catholic. He can't do that. Um who, who <laughs> wrote these annulled. episodes? Who wrote these uh, episodes? Uh, Henry Nowen? Uh, hey. hey uh, more like Henry written. Adjective. Or, or wait, no, who yeah. wrote these episodes? <laughs> Uh, who wrote these episodes? Mm, mm, uh, mm. Brian is going through note cards. He's just shifting <laughs> through them. Who, who 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 wrote these? Uh, was it was it perhaps the author of Lament of a Son? Uh, was it was it uh, noted philosopher? <laughs> Uh, noted philosopher Nicholas Walterstorff. <laughs> Real Calvin College heads know. Yeah, um, a brick wall has appeared behind Brian, and I am just throwing <laughs> tomatoes at it. <laughs> and I'm slapping a bass right here on stage, baby. <laughs> so, yes, the worst of all possible worlds, a podcast about nothing. We're here to talk about episode 318, A Touch of Healing, part one. This was written by the inimitable Paul McCusker and first aired on June 10, 1995 on Nationwide yeah. Radio. <laughs> this is, I mean, now we're pretty far along. This show is yeah. coming close to 10 years old. Yeah. At, at eight years old. <laughs> they, they know what they want to do now. They know what they're wanting to write. Uh, yep. Paul McCusker is in England with his wife. He's Anglican at this point in time. That's something you needed to know for some reason. And <laughs> I do wonder, like... Did that affect the writing at all? Like, have I mean, it's something that I wouldn't necessarily be able to clock because I wasn't really sort of in the world of all this like the two of you were. But like, I, did it does it sound like he got a little bit more like British over the course of this? Oh, like, that's feel, a good question. I don't know. I feel like, honestly, AJ, if anybody would notice a difference, it would be you. Yeah, because you've yeah. been, been exposed the to this stuff first. Yeah. Yeah. unionist yeah. that I am, and yeah. as we all are on this unionist <laughs> podcast. No! God save our king. He's doing fine. <laughs> He's doing great. Yeah, maybe this just made McCusker into more of a C.S. Lewis impersonator. I think with how that he wrote. might be yeah. a bit of it. Yeah, because well, we because we've talked about C.S. Lewis. Obviously, we did the Screw Tape Letters episode, yeah. and with C.S. Lewis's whole thing, it's about like when you come across a crucible in your life. How do you overcome it? And the way that you overcome it is just by being like, God did this and God did this so that I could become a better guy. Right. That's what I think ties all four of today's episodes together. I mean, that's why they call him Crucible Slayer Lewis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird because whenever I come across a crucible, I just see your spouses with the devil. Mm. Mm. Yeah. What's up with that? Well, I mean, could you give us like a, a period accurate accent of like how that would sound? Brian, if you were to like accuse, let's no, say, Goody Proctor can only of being say, with the devil, I can, I can only say the one line in the period and location specific accent that is 100% accurate. Yeah, I, well, I, we would love, I would to, love hear to hear it. it. Yeah, we would oh, love okay. to hear it. Yeah, yeah, okay. You drank a jam. You drank a jam to kill Goody Proctor. <laughs> Please some come see Brian in Witches in Salem premiering at the end of March. <laughs> yeah, play that I am not in uh, because no one will cast me. So you might be hearing from our voice uh, that we really don't want to start talking We're about so this tired. episode. We're very tired. 
but it, we're all sort of like in between things right now. Mm-hmm. You know, AJ, you've got your show Some coming up. Thighs. Brian's starting working on a show. Yeah, I'm, I was at the show this morning. Yeah, uh, and Josh, you uh, are are doing a big. Uh, round table yeah I, I always want to say talk back because it's after a play but it's not a talk back yeah you're not asking questions from the audience you're no. not having them say how do they memorize how all do those they lines? memorize all those lines <laughs> that's a great idea though to do a talk back where none of the people on stage were in the play and so oh, yeah. just, so they just have to guess random guys. party yeah yeah well it looked like they spent a lot of time just reading them over and over again uh <laughs> No, we got it. We got to get back to it. I'm sorry. We got to talk about a touch of healing part one. So here we are at the very beginning in the Bible room. Jack happens across Jason, who's making some modifications Mm. to his father's invention, the imagination station. Well, Jack and I got into a debate. Mm -hmm. We were talking about Jenny and Zachary. What about them? Well, Jenny's blind and Zachary's in a wheelchair. And we were debating about what kind of experience (laughs) they have. I almost got bingo. (laughs) I don't get it. Well, the imagination stations build around the imagination, right? Right. So if Jenny got in and she could imagine herself being able to see, then she should be able to see in the imagination station, right? Uh. Likewise, if Zachary could imagine that he was able to walk again, then he should be able to walk in the imagination station. It makes sense, right? Well, sort of, I guess. But, huh? like, if I could imagine that I knew how to fly... Does that mean I'd be able to fly in the imagination station? Mm. Well, that's what I want to find out. Well, uh, that was Connie, not Jack. (laughs) 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 I just listened to this again today. Uh, That's fine. Yeah, Jason is working with some kids who have a lot of continuity in this town, right? Right. We have had episodes centering specifically on Jenny and specifically on Zachary and their disabilities before coming to this episode. And to be clear... These characters are 100% defined by their disabilities. Like, it's it's really kind of the only thing that you know about them. I mean, yeah. I guess mm. Jenny... Uh, Jenny gets a little bit more She's room. got a little bit, but Zachary, yeah. his deal is pretty much he's a paraplegic and he's sullen. That's yeah. like all we really know about that kid. And it's so it's so funny that Jason is like reprogramming the Imagination Station by disassembling it. Like, that's not how reprogramming oh, yeah, it's, it's, it, No, it's works. fully mechanical. Like yeah. an old adding machine. But but isn't it one of those things like, because this is the episode that really proves to me what the Imagination Station is, which mm. is it's the Matrix. It's uh-huh. not you walk in and experience it as your real self. It's that you are jacked into this machine mm-hmm. and you are able to do things inside of it that you are not able to do outside of it, which leads to Connie's question about would I be able to fly in the Imagination Station and be like, yeah, but if you crash into the ground, you'd be dead for real. Right. Yeah, because your imagination would let that happen. If you die in the Imagination Station, you die, you die in, in real life, life. Which makes it even more sinister that <laughs> Wit keeps throwing these children in prison or trying to get like Jezebel to do child sacrifices to them to Baal. Or sending them to hell! I think it's good. I think it's good. How else are you going to build mm. character if not for experience? experiencing actual mortal yes. danger right did well either of, did either of you see assassin's creed the film the michael fassbender movie no! assassin's creed no aj we okay did not. so so hold on in the video game uh, welcome to fancy movie time <laughs> the fancy to- film <laughs> podcast for fancy folks here's so, fancy aj so so here's the thing um in in the assassin's creed video games obviously you're just kind of jacked into a pod like you would be in the matrix right it's, okay it's all in the guy's head but for some reason in the movie they decided to hook michael fassbender up to like what is basically one of those like 
baby bounce things that you put in the doorway so they can like jump up and down. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like like we actually have for VR sets where you can like run if you're wearing socks and your feet just kind of slide on it. Exactly. Yeah. So they decide to put him in that and have him like, so when he is Altair or whatever, he's doing backflips and he's actually doing backflips in the space and they keep cutting back to it. <laughs> like it's him doing the backflips in the space. And so I think that's actually what the imagination station is, is that people go inside and they're like mm. fully hooked up to all sure, of the stuff sure, and they're sure. running around at the speed of sound. But uh, I can't believe that fucking Odyssey predicted Assassin's Creed. You're welcome, Ubisoft. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, a famous, a famous collaboration here between like Focus on the Family actually received a good chunk of licensing money for the idea. For their patent, um, no, that's I, why you fist fight the Pope at the they, end of the second exactly. one. Yeah, well, that's the thing they they ended up turning down that money because they didn't want a game that positively portrayed any Muslims. Oh, mm. that'll make sense now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, J- Jason is very excited, right, about the prospect of you know restoring abilities to disabled kids in the Imagination Station. Yeah. Uh, Jack, on the other hand, is not on board at all. I mean, what's Jack worried about? Well, beats me. I think he's worried in the same way he was worried about my putting in Bible-based arcade games downstairs. Of course. Oh, you know how Jack is. Even though I fixed the volume so they wouldn't be so loud and made it so the players would have to learn their Bibles before progressing to the next levels, he's still not satisfied. He says there are problems with the basic concept behind it. He's not sure that staring at a video screen and fiddling with electronic knobs is helpful. Knobs? Sounds like my father. Oh, that's no big surprise. (laughs) No. Sometimes Jack and my dad have the same problem. They're too careful. Even when they're being adventurous, they won't take risks. See, I like risks. And if you're going to reach out to kids, you have to be willing to take risks. Okay, so we, we we made a bonus episode at the beginning of the month about that video game episode that we otherwise weren't going to cover until I listened to this and they talk about it like five times this episode. Well, and yeah, I'm so yeah. glad we did talk about it because yeah. a number of like themes and ideas from that episode, they pull through into yeah. this one. It's, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. continuity just getting out of control here yeah. for kids who are going to hear one out of every like seven episodes on the radio like <laughs> sure a big revelation that all of these arcade games were controlled with knobs like an old fucking like Magnavox Odyssey well they have to be because you have to input Bible passages <laughs> at the end of every level so it's like well what is it is it like the entire alphabet on it's one, one it's like an time. index typewriter yeah it, they, it's basically he just has a label maker that you have to like crank this way and that <laughs> and that's how you because we we know there's one video game that is illustrated to us what the mechanics are, which is basically an endless runner right. where you have the ability to utilize any one of the 10 plagues yeah, it's, at it's, any it's, time. It's temple run, but you can throw plagues back at the yeah. uh, Egyptians pursuing. And so now big we know frog, that you have to big frog <laughs> that you have to do the plagues by just turning a dial that points at 10 different notches. <laughs> they all have little symbols on them. There's just, yeah. I, I love the one for Big Frog. That's so funny. I the, Just yesterday, I went to Wonderland. I don't know if any of you guys have been there. It's an arcade. The sex party? Uh, no. Oh. My uh, friend it, Alice went there once. It is an arcade in Bushwick. Uh, okay. And okay. it is all new arcade games, right? These are oh, right. Oh. Yes. cabinets that are sort of built to sort of push what is possible in arcade gaming. It's all very silly and fun and cute and twee. And some of it is Mm -hmm. like way too much that way. Yeah. Um, Mm. But I had that thought about like, oh my God, 
you could make the fucking, you know, 10 plagues infinite runner simulator and build that as an actual <laughs> arcade game with the 10 notch dial and put it up in a place. I mean, that's a funny and, idea. And then you have to put in the Bible questions between right. levels. And and unlike what AJ said, which sounds insane, instead it's multiple choice, but there's mm. 10 different <laughs> answers and you have to pick one of those 10. And knowing how pedantic they are, they're all probably like right next to each other. Right. Like, yeah. It's right. like, you Is know, it first four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It's like, yeah. it's like <laughs> which on. of these 10 consecutive Is it verses? Mildab the shoe height? Mildab the who height? Actually, it's Wonderville. Sorry, Brian. I fucked it. Uh, uh, everybody went no, to Wonderville. I- no, yeah. go it's to Wonderland. Okay. Go to the sex party. I yeah, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know how you get to Wonderville? You have to climb the Wonder Wall. After all, you are that for me, AJ. Oh, thank you. <laughs> all in all, it's just another brick in the Wonder Wall. <laughs> we now have the core sort of uh, conflict framed up here. And it's framed as just a battle of like, should we use technology or should we not use technology? Yeah. This is what's going to hang over this entire episode where we've got uh, Jack the Luddite versus Jason, who I guess works for fucking, you know, open AI or whatever. Right. Yeah. He's the yeah. we should just let tech do whatever it wants, because ultimately technological advancement will make people's lives better. And we can't know whether it'll work or not without trying. Yeah, right. And in a certain sense, like, I agree with that sort of creatively. Like, if you're making art, I think that's kind of okay. I think it you should be you should be willing to take risks because ultimately mm-hmm. it's not going to harm anyone and it doesn't necessarily have to go through. But Jason uh, seems to discount the fact that he's experimenting on children. Yeah. yeah, that seems like it's it should be the bigger issue. But this is maintaining a sort of moral valence on the same level of should we make a arcade game? Yeah, like, yeah, right, right, at all. Explicitly. Stop. Later yeah. on, they, they make this parallel explicitly. There is a B-plot in this episode as well. Thematically, we have this connection between the two plots that's about the matter of healing. What does it yes. mean to be healed? And so mm. we are very suddenly introduced to a brand new character who could have been around before, but just wasn't, Connie's grandmother. And this is her father's mother. Right who lives with Connie and her mom, does not live with her father. I'd rather be here with you and your mother than anywhere else. Good. Besides, I couldn't stay with Bill. I mean, your father. He and his wife fight all the time. I wouldn't have been able to rest. I don't see how their marriage will last. Your father's a self-centered blockhead. You shouldn't say that, Grandma. He's my son, and I can say it if I like. I've said it to his face. As long as he insists on acting like a five-year-old, I don't know how any woman can put up with him. He needs to become a Christian. I've told him again and again, it's the only way. It's the only way to be sure. Bill got that big dick. That's why all the women put up with him. Because his stroke game is just unbelievable. <laughs> stroke game oh, on point. Man. He lo- look, that man loves cruise ships. I'll tell you, there's a, yeah. that's a very specific kind of guy. <laughs> Do you think Bill Kendall goes to hedonism too? Yeah. yeah. AJ, as a man who was trapped in a cruise ship once and who hates cruise ship, your assertion mm. is that every man who goes on a cruise ship has exceptional stroke game? No, I'm just saying that certain... <laughs> Certain ones do, and you can always t- you could all I could always tell uh, during my tenure on boat which mm. ones had the extreme stroke game because they were bopping around from like cabin to cabin, like it was like it, it, you would <laughs> like, see them like, like the, wandering the, grim the halls. reaper knocking at each door. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> R.I.P. That pussy. AJ um, is just in his cabin, you know, painting lamb's blood over the arch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what we're, what we're listening to here, this voice that we're hearing is that of Mildred Kendall, Connie's grandma, Bill's mother. She was mentioned, it's worth noting, in uh, a couple episodes, but these are the only episodes where we actually hear her. So she pretty much just exists as a plot device, which for this show is not at all uncommon. Um, sure. And her whole deal is, well, my son just needs to become a Christian. That's why this character exists. It's also to reinforce what a piece of shit he is yeah. because he hasn't converted. And, and he's divorced. also she's also he she like apparently she's supposed to be very nice. Connie and her mom like seem to really love her. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And love having her around. But I would argue that I think that she's not perhaps the nicest person if she goes around calling her son a piece of shit and then refusing to live with him. She but doesn't call him a piece of shit. She calls him a blockhead. Yeah, but that's what that is. Shit, but he is a piece of shit. Yeah, I, I, I actually I don't necessarily have a problem with this. I have other issues with this character. And I'm we'll just get saying there, I can but... tell why he's a piece of shit. Maybe because of your fucking parenting, Mildred. Eh, I hope fair. something really bad happens to you. Oh, no. <laughs> it's OK, Mildred. I'll be praying against you. <laughs> <laughs> We should do more praying against people. Absolutely. <laughs> Mildred clearly has. So that's our B plot. Connie's grandma. Yeah. Obviously, she's marked for death from the very beginning. Like first interaction. It's like we know exactly where this is going. Yeah, right? It's like an episode of Family Ties where it's just like, oh, here's this new guy who's like Michael J. Fox's favorite uncle. He's right. going to be dead by the right. end of the episode. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. Back at the Imagination Station, Jack and Jason are now like fully going at it, you know, having a debate. Yeah. Um, this is effectively an extension of the previous conflict about arcade games that we talked about in our Bobus. Another thing that's worth noting here, Jack says that he's been having some strange dreams lately. Yeah. yeah. What? Jack is that? No, Jack has visions. I think have, I think we've had a couple references to this before with the Israelites yeah, thing. Yeah, I know. We have. Yeah. We have. I just what? What? Just pointing that up. It's going to pay off later on. Spiritual gifts, AJ. Spiritual gifts. Right. But like, isn't that witchcraft? Like, not if it's from the Lord. No, no. He's not making the dreams but happen. How, He's not conjuring how, them. Right. But I mean, how can you tell the difference between a dream you've conjured and a dream that's just been given to you by the Lord? Well, you know, maybe you just need to be more in tune with the Lord, you fucking yeah. Catholic. I saw Goody Jack with the devil. <laughs> Maybe you are still thinking with your mind, Eugenius. Jason tells Jack in no uncertain terms that he's going to just fake, basically fucking throw Jenny into the imagination station to give her sight, whether Jack likes it or not. Right. Hey, thanks for coming so quickly. But I'm confused. You said it's a new imagination station adventure. Designed for me? <laughs> What'd you do, ride it in Braille? Well, something like that. Not a bad idea! <laughs> Not a bad idea at all! <laughs> Also, you could create sensory experiences for people without sight. Like, it's uh -huh. not like well, I feel like if she were to do any other Imagination Station adventure, she'd have a great time. Well, and this is exactly what ends up happening. Yeah. Uh, right. That she has her adventure. Right. But she does not experience the uh, sighted component of it because that is not something that she has access to. She she never yeah. had the ability to see. Therefore, she does not experience sight there. Well, she had an accident. She lost her ability to see. She oh, wasn't she... born blind, but it's oh, been a long wasn't? time oh, now. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. It's the other 
blind character that appears later in the show who was born blind. Got it. Okay. But um, yeah. Yeah. But th- it's yeah. The, the, the way the show kind of it, it almost is like they forgot that when they got to this mm, episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, here's her coming out of the imagination station and, and uh, blind sighting Jason. There we go. Well, how was it? Did you like the adventure? It was great. Really? Yeah. I got to meet Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was wonderful. I didn't know you programmed it for that trip. Oh, what fun. Yeah, and I learned some things I didn't know before. What fun? Like when Lazarus guided me to the center of Bethany. And... Wait, wait, hold on. Why did Lazarus need to guide you? What do you mean, why? The same reason I need anybody to guide me in strange places. Because you're blind. <laughs> That's like... It's like, what do you think, you dumb bitch? Jesus, Jason. If you're just hanging out, if you're doing the Bethany adventure, and they, they actually do this in an episode. I don't know if it came before or after this one, but they do, a, 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 a I think, a two-parter in Bethany. And that's not that exciting. You get a guy who rises from the dead at one point, but for the rest of it, people are just kind of hanging out. I think that's also yeah. when Jesus gets the perfume on his feet. Yeah, like uh, yeah. No, again, this is not a thrilling Bible story. No. Other than Lazarus and, does come back, and like Jack you know. is like, "Oh, I'm so jealous." <laughs> what a thrill! I, I Jack, love, you could do this anytime you want, man. I you just, own it. I just love the little lilt that he has to his voice. Oh, how fun! fun. <laughs> exactly how he sounds before he dives into a giant vault of coins. Yeah, no, exactly. Same, same intention. He just pulled the Scrooge McDuck intention right on through. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> but yes, uh, Jenny had fun, uh, but it was not what Jason was hoping for. No. And yeah. even though Jason is disappointed in this outcome, Jenny is not. Yeah. What's wrong, Jason? Oh, don't mind him. He, he, he's playing the nutty professor today, that's all. Oh, because I was beginning to think that he fixed the machine so I could see. <laughs> really? Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> funny. I was talking to Lazarus about it. And he was saying how he had died so that Christ would be glorified in raising him from the dead. In the same way, my being blind is also part of God's greater plan for his glory. That's right, Jenny. That's absolutely right. All right. So, Josh, All you're right. going to have some feelings yeah. about this particular I've, line, huh? Yeah, I the, I heard this and it, it just fucking hit me like a sack of bricks. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. not in a fun way. I Yeah. So I have this very distinct memory um, from when I was uh, maybe seven or eight years old. For those of you who have been listening to the show for a while, you probably already know that I have cystic fibrosis, which is a genetic disease that causes a number of physical complications. Uh, And one of those complications is difficulty digesting food, uh, specifically foods with a lot of fat. And Mm. so I have to take enzymes that help. They're they're reconstituted pig pancreas, which is kind of cool. Um, and oh. those enzymes do the work of the enzymes that my pancreas is unable to uh, put out there. Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, even when taking those pills, well, first of all, I also am severely attention uh, deficit guy, right? Like full on classic ADHD case. So mm. growing up, remembering to take those pills was always a real fucking challenge for me. Mm. Oh, sure. Uh, and even though my parents obviously did their best, um, there were t- there would be times that I would forget. And also, you know, dialing in the right dosage, that sort of thing can also be difficult. And mm. uh, even then, there would sometimes just be blockages. So I have a very distinct memory of just having this really severe, bad, bad, bad evening of unbelievable discomfort. 
you know, my my whole GI tract was basically fucking blocked and just feeling the most in some of the most intense pain I've ever experienced in my life. Right. Full on, just like insane cramping Mm -hmm. and just, you know, screaming out, like fully screaming out in pain, not being able to handle that pain, not being able to understand why anything like this could happen, especially to a kid. Right. Right. This is not something that should happen to anybody, but it's especially not something that should happen to a kid, especially not a kid who uh, loves the Lord, <laughs> right. uh, you know, does everything right to try to uh, uh, be a good kid. Yeah. Mm. And I just remember crying out and like my my mom was there and I was just like, why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why? Why? And she just said, I, I, I don't know. And just held me and I held her. And it's not so fucking simple, you know? Mm-hmm, yeah. And I get so, so angry on a primal level when on a children's show for the sake of ease, right? And for the sake of taking something and presenting it to children in a way that is more digestible for you as an adult, you flatten a lived experience and you say, well, it's just because that's what God wants for you. I just, I I summarily reject that. I think it's lazy from a theological perspective, obviously. I think that it's lazy from a uh, helping kids understand the world perspective. And it's also just bad fucking storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I I think there's also an added obscenity to it because the story of Lazarus is right. He's a friend of Jesus. He dies. Jesus finds out, uh, famously weeps, um, goes back and then raises Lazarus from the dead. And this is sort of towards the end of the ministry. And it's him kind of doing this big act that he's never done before. And Lazarus is saying, oh, yeah, this was because the whole purpose of my experience dying was to glorify Jesus and was to show his power to the other people who were there and that your blindness, Jenny, or to the blind child that listens to this show, because, again, this is a a sizable demographic for Adventures in Odyssey. Your disability is there to be edifying to the other people in your life. Yes. Yes. And there is a way that people fetishize disability and this is not unique obviously to Mm -hmm. christians this is something that just exists everywhere and i think particularly like in individualist western culture uh it is in american culture specifically well uh, we thought we were the ones who were teaching radio no exactly yeah it's that that's all it is and the idea that you exist as you as you put it brian for the edification of others or as like an example of oh well you know at least it's not like that poor person you know it i think for one thing it shows the sort of limits of compassion that these people have Mm -hmm. uh the writers of this show right and and focus on the family as an organization yeah they can only see themselves as the protagonist of reality and that of course means that other people who are sort of like adjacent to them can only be seen as accessories to their own protagonism. There's no words for it. Obscene is exactly the right word. It makes me so angry. It's it listening to these episodes uh, and, and this piece in particular 
just filled me with the like primal rage that I haven't felt in a little while. We'll talk more about it, but that, yeah. that's 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 opening thoughts. Because we got more <laughs> coming. About yeah. this opening salvo. It's also, and here's the thing: if Lazarus were to come back from the dead and actually talk to somebody, he would probably say, uh, "So there's nothing on the other side." Uh, everything is dark and abyssal, so live li- live your life the best you can, because now I have to live forever. I can't ever <laughs> die again. I have been cursed by my best friend because he was selfish to bring me fucking back. I was finally at rest, and that motherfucker brought me back. Wait, is like, this a Catholic belief that Lazarus doesn't die a second time? No, it's just oh, okay. kind of... I, this is, I this that, is an AJ headcanon. <laughs> Yeah, this might be not. I don't well, know. There are a couple of medieval sort of mythological characters often referred to as the wandering Jew. Sorry, I didn't I didn't come up with it. <laughs> medieval people were <laughs> fucked up. Sorry. Uh, that is just like or or the eternal Jew. Again, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yikes. Yikes. I apologize on behalf of my entire race. Um, but like, yeah, the idea of like not not just. You know, as a uh, synecdoche of the entire Jewish people or something, but literally like just a Jewish guy who's a thousand years old and wandering around Europe. So maybe there is something to that. Maybe it connects with with some sort of older idea of Lazarus. I feel like if I were to live forever, I'd do some wandering. Mm, You know, I feel like that's at a certain point. That's all you really can do. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just want to go hike. I remember that was a question in Sunday school, though, is like, so does he just like die again? Off screen, it's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Lazarus yeah, died yeah. on the way back to his home planet. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Lazarus? Now that we've confirmed that Jenny uh, cannot see uh, yeah. in the Imagination Station, Jason's got another great idea. So we'll remember, of course, Zachary, uh, the the sullen kid who lost access to his legs and uh, bitched to Lucy about it in a couple episodes back. Well, Jason thinks maybe we could use the Imagination Station to give him access to his legs. And in fact, Mm. Connie encourages Zachary to go to Wit's End to talk to Jason about it. She's like, oh, there's something there that might be fun for you. Yeah, and, poor uh, Connie is just caught in the middle of this. She's yeah. just like, yeah, this sounds nice. She's dealing with a lot. And yeah. so Jason hops right into the imagination station with Zachary because he wants to see it firsthand, I guess. Jason, I'm scared. Here, take my hand. I'll help you. Well, what if it doesn't work? What if it does and you didn't try? Look, I'm here to catch you if you fall. I don't know. Just close your eyes and imagine you can walk. Then stand up and do it. Okay, I will. Eyes closed and... Ah, uh-huh, that's it. You can do it. Just hold my hand. There you go. Yeah. Come on. Just stand up. Uh, uh, there you go, Zach. Uh, Jason, I'm standing up. Yeah. I'm really standing up. It works. It really works. And then uh, the British army chases after them. It's revolutionary times and they run even. Because they're in the Paul Revere imagination station. The British are coming. Yeah. You know, the British are coming. The most thrilling of imagination yeah. station adventures. That's right. We remember this well, adventure. It, well, if you remember, AJ, that wasn't even an imagination station episode. That was just oh, Wit, just wit talking. talking from oh, a book no. that I guess Wit had also written. That's right. This episode's like whole approach to disability is bad. Don't Don't get me wrong. It's very bad. Oh, I think but, it's good. But but the actual like logistics of this imagination station are still really baffling. At to this me. point, they have pretty solidly established that the imagination station is just a little tiny rocket thing that you sit down in in right. a chair. And then you kind of like zone out on. But what's weird about that 
is that a little bit later when they actually come out of it, when the machine turns off. Yeah. You hear Zachary fall. Yes. So that he was standing and then collapses down. Yeah. So So, this imagination station this time is just, I guess, uh, a large room. Very well, echoey it's like room. the holodeck. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I always just picture the holodeck. Yeah. but it's not. But it's not quite the holodeck because the holodeck. It does. It's not like the holodeck can't cure people's disabilities. To my to my knowledge, right. I have not seen it as much Star Trek. Yeah, no, as the you're two you're of you. just you're just a guy, and now you're in a different place. But yeah. it doesn't change anything about your fundamental. Uh, way of perceiving things right yeah. you're just wearing yeah. it's just patrick stewart wearing a funny costume this is the more uncomfortable question for me is that because it doesn't work on jenny's blindness right and mm-hmm. they do kind of kind of try to wave this away but it does work on zachary's what it leads to me as the listener to think is that zachary's disability is entirely psychological sure that sure. he can stand at any given time. It just takes the imagination station sort of short circuiting it and giving him the ability and confidence to believe that he can walk in order for him to walk. And this gets really, really dicey once we start getting into the what the rest of the episode is trying to teach you. Yeah, right? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think they thought it that far. No, out. that's it. They're, they're just they not didn't. applying their brains that and much. And I know, to of it. course, they didn't. But I, I also think that's an interesting point. If you yeah, follow. Yeah this line of logic all the way through to its conclusion if you do the work that they constantly refuse to do yeah if his whole thing is fucking psychosomatic then we're telling an entirely different story about disability now right exactly and it's not like that i'm I'm not trying to come here and be like cinema sins like dang you got the imagination yeah. station this logic doesn't make any fucking sense but it just means that it actually fundamentally changes the story right. that they're telling right. yeah. this is a very i don't know if this is a, an episode about disability so much as it is about like I don't know kids need to work harder to walk no yeah. AJ you're, you're right it's not about disability it's about um science is bad yes yeah <laughs> it's, but, that's but, what it's about and, and honestly hold that thought to put a pin in that about like kids needing to work harder to walk because we will get there later for now though we're back with Connie She's still hanging out with her grandma who, well, you know, it, she, she, she's on her way to fucking dying. Like, yeah, yeah. That's really all this is, but we might as well listen to what that sounds like. Knock, knock. Hi, grandma. Hi, Connie. So what happened to you? I bleeped when I should have blipped, I guess. A lot of fuss over nothing. Are you feeling all right? A little tired. I'm sorry about all this. Oh, forget about it. Look, Mom's on her way back from Connellsville. It took me a little while to track her down. She doesn't need to rush back. Well, it's dinner time. She's supposed to be home by now anyway. You tell her this is what happens to people who work too hard. They wind up with tubes and wires sticking out like a radio junk shop. Jesus. This direction is so weird. But they also do this thing that Odyssey does a lot, which is that they they really overcomplicate like the amount of characters that yeah. we're introduced to. Yeah. We are first introduced to a Dr. Oliver who we never see, <laughs> a British nurse. The British nurse. I made the note about the British. I have a note in here. Reason. I have a note in here and it's just all caps British nurse with a question mark. I imagine Paul McCusker really went to bat for this. He's like like, no, no, no. She needs to be British. She needs. We need British representation on the show. Represent the NHS. And you know, and you know the reason why was because McCusker must have gone to the doctor recently and seen a really hot British nurse. And it's just like, come on, got to put her in there. I can't keep watching these joggers. We got to put this in. 
But then it turns out that Dr. Oliver isn't even her real doctor. It's yeah. Dr. Franklin. No. So who the hell is Dr. I Oliver? I love that you were keeping track yeah. of this, AJ. Of this course is one I of those. Am. They sent Dr. Oliver through the no no door in his first episode. <laughs> Well, that's that's the thing is it's again it's one of those like uh, realistic derogatory things. He, yeah, he's doing right. things. You know, yeah, it's a shift. It's a changeover. You have nurses and doctors shifting. A couple things fall into cracks. We'll get to to that a little bit later. It's adding that to try to like add to the drama of the scene, but it's just not necessary. No, and it it's just makes just, it just get yeah. to the point of it. Like you know? more boring and confusing. Yeah. yeah, it's just like there's so many things that you have considered for this, and you should not have. Like, well, and- like congrats for showing your work, but boy. <laughs> Yeah. And, and the Oof. thing is, there is like maybe 10 total minutes of this in like a 25-ish minute episode. Yeah. And the whole reason all of this happens is basically to uh, lead up to this clip right here where Connie prays for her grandma. There's something I want you to get for me. Okay. My prayer book. It's in there somewhere. Um, yeah, here it is. Somewhere in the middle of family prayers. I think I have a ribbon in it. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see one or two that are appropriate for the situation. Connie's grandmother has has gotten her to to pray for her and is like really, really driving like, yeah, pray for me, pray for me, yeah, pray yeah, for yeah, me. Yeah, she yeah. has a little prayer yeah. book, which feels a little bit more Catholic than Protestant to me. But I guess there are Protestant prayer books. And the prayer that Connie yep. picks out sure sounds like it was sold at some bookstore somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's There's fucking just a greeting bunch of card. Like, Virgin Mary candles around her bed as she's dying. <laughs> Little saint cards propped up here. And, and she just gets increasingly Catholic the closer she is to death. She's just yeah. baptizing babies, <laughs> buying indulgences. The Pope's at the edge of the bed. <laughs> and there's kind of what this episode does is this sort of like overlay thing where it's like cutting back and forth between the hospital and the imagination station yeah. adventure. There's a really yeah. cool transition that I didn't grab. Where they like start up the imagination station and then just that like whooshing sound sort of fades into hospital sounds. Again, yeah. it's like something that only happens in a Paul McCusker episode because he actually understands the form now. I mean, there are so many things to get angry about in this episode. But the thing that like I thought was really like subtly insidious was just like it's trying to tell you the proper way to not only grieve someone who you lose, but like how to properly die. Like there's a lot of times where. Uh, Connie's grandma's just like, well, if it's my time to go home, mm. it's my time to go. And she's just like, oh, don't worry about me. I'm going to be fine. And the truth is the process of dying for anyone who's ever like been through that. I mean, I wouldn't know. I've never died before. Yeah, no, that's true. But like, <laughs> but been like adjacent to somebody who does. It's not even the most Christian people, right? The most like steadfast in their faith. Don't face down death when you're in a hospital bed being like, oh, you know, if it's my time, it's my time. There's there can be fear there. Yeah. Like, I, and this and I think this episode like props her up as like the ideal way for a Christian to die. Yeah. Which is, don't don't worry about yourself. You're going to meet Jesus. Well, I wonder how much of that is, again, just like wanting to sort of protect children from like feeling the fear, you know? That maybe there's this idea, mm. and I'm not saying that I agree with this, but maybe right. there's this idea that if they were to portray Connie's grandma's emotions as being a little bit more complex uh, about her own impending death, that that could really scare kids 
uh, as opposed to say sending Eugene to hell on the imagination yeah, stage. Yeah. That, that was what I was going to say, but but to a different point, right? Sending Eugene to hell is to get them to be Christians. Yeah, if someone right. shows a lack of faith in their last few moments, that would dissuade kids from becoming Christian. Like yeah. it's all very mm, well. Heaven calibrated. will overpower death, but hell is forever. So yes. hell's the thing that you need to worry about, not the death part. Because death is healing, but also don't do it to yourself. <laughs> okay. Connie's grandmother is going to die, but she's also, she's like combination just like, yeah, I'm going to die. And also just like totally in denial about her own illness. It is a very weird sort of uh, valence to portray yeah. here. I think I said valence earlier in this episode. Today is valence day for Brian. Uh, so Happy valence day. <laughs> it's V day for those listening. Once we get back over to the imagination station in Wits End, Zachary's mom has shown up. Yeah. And Zachary, now having once again experienced the ability to walk, is not too happy with returning to his normal life. I don't care about dinner. I want to go back in the machine. Well, you can't, Zachary. We have to go home. You don't understand, Mom. I don't want to go home. I want to get back into the imagination station. Explain it to her, Jason. Zachary, I, I Explain think Explain that... what? He reprogrammed the imagination station so I could walk in it. What? You mean it worked? Yeah. I was pretty impressed, too. Impressed? I, I'm i speechless. Is it possible? Yep, I walked and ran, and it was great. Well, th that's nice. That doesn't yeah, sound that too, sounds, too bad. Sounds great. But then uh, the conversation goes forward even further. Well, let's go home, Zachary. We can sort it out there. What? No, no, you don't get it. Didn't you hear what happened? I want to get back I in. I heard. So but you're not going back in. At least not tonight. You're coming home now. No, I won't. I want to stay here. Zachary. Listen, Zachary. We'll have plenty of chances. Hey, no. None of you guys are getting it. I don't want to go home. I can walk in there and I don't want to leave it. I never want to leave the Imagination Station. Ever. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah, look, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want to walk. What? Like, just <laughs> let your kid enjoy walking? And also, look, they're, they're going to throw the whole baby out with the bathwater because they want to destroy this fucking thing, right? Yeah, they yeah. want to, you know, because they, they do not trust technology. But, like, who's to say you can't use this miracle technology to, like, help with rehab? Well, I don't know. Do an entirely virtual simulation that helps them relearn how to walk. Like, it's infuriating how much the writers of this show don't want kids to be happy or at least don't <laughs> want kids to, like, get what they want. No, because no, no, you're right. Kids... They, they, you're actually right. I think you're onto something, AJ, that they yeah. they don't want kids to be happy. Not yeah, really. Right. Um, no. Because no. there is this thing, and we did not listen to the episode, but we should listen to it at some point. There's an Adventures in Odyssey episode about, uh, and it's one of the ones that sticks in my head the most, where mm. Connie goes through a series of tribulations, and she repeats a mantra to herself to get over it, uh, where she says, count it all joy. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is that, look, you might not always be happy, but you have to take these experiences away and you have to ultimately, you know, rest in God's joy or whatever, um, even mm. if you're not personally feeling happy in that moment. Because also the pursuit of happiness as a means and ends to itself is sort of an inherently sinful thing. You know, it's, it's very Protestant. We have to make peace with our suffering and just kind of soldier on rather yeah. than trying to actively actively find the light that we are looking for, the only real light is that which ought to come from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Right. And yeah. as you said before, AJ, in this reality, in this version of the Imagination Station, Zachary was literally walking. He was actually yeah. standing up 
out of his wheelchair and then fell down when the machine was deactivated, which means that this thing does, in fact, do something for you, which should lead to further research and development and manufacturing and uh, monetization. Distribution. Yeah. yeah like, Think about how much money they could make. Yeah. The patent right. alone. But, it, but again, that would give kids what they want and it would make Zachary right. And he can't be because if you give a kid a cookie, he's going to be like, I will only ever have cookies for the rest of my life because that's how kids work. Like, well, that's the thing is like you're creating a false reality and you're letting a child escape into a false reality, which is what other mediums do, but not radio. Radio is yeah, really special. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just the one been teaching us this whole time rather <laughs> wow. than being an escape. No child has ever escaped through the radio. But but TV, video games and whatever they're trying to say with this thing. This is a also just to say this is a concept that comes back massively uh, in a later serialized saga. The Novacom saga is all about like science as as a cure as and, and technological devices as a way of repairing things. Uh, hmm. So this is a conversation that will recur sometime on this show. I do think, though, that Jason should be executed by firing squad. Just like yeah, I just think I that's mean, something that should happen to him. Jason just fucking no, he's he's behaving incorrectly this entire time. And it's like the show knows some of why it's bad, but not all of why it's bad. Like this guy's right. just like right. dragging kids over here, not telling them anything. And is like, right. hey, you know how you got into a car accident three years ago and you'll never be able to walk again. You can walk again for 15 minutes and then you have to go home. I think where this episode lands on like you must always obey the parents kind of thing is bad, frankly, uh, because it doesn't teach kids to like question authority figures. He should ask the parents before he does this. Yes. To yeah. their kids. Which, okay, and the episode does sort of make that point yeah. a little yeah. later on. Yeah, the, where they land on it is that they're in the wrong because they're not children need to obey their parents like that yeah. is sort of the fine thing and not just like hey this is the person that is the primary caretaker of this child who loves this child who is taking who is like raising them to be a person you should maybe check with them before you throw them into a machine with a strange man <laughs> yeah and one thing that that comes up a lot with Zachary because they don't know how to give him any other character beats is that he has to do his uh, rehabilitation exercises right and he doesn't want to do them. And he has difficulty doing them. And it sucks. And he hates it. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's not making him better. It's not bringing back his ability to walk. And yeah. unfortunately, the show's angle is like, yes, but if you do them, maybe one day you will walk again. Yeah. Which is not the reality. It's in that case, you are keeping your muscles from atrophying and 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 causing further health problems for yourself right getting your blood right. vessels uh clotted up and things like that where adventures and odyssey just doesn't have enough of a perspective paul mccusker and phil waller and everybody don't have enough of a perspective of what all of this actually is right they're too distracted by nurses but but this comes back to the thing that you were saying a little bit earlier aj too about how like ultimately him not going along with it is is you know his exercises and shit like that is a sign of insufficient diligence, which is therefore a moral failing. So this carries us through to part two. Bill Kendall is on a cruise. Mm -hmm. um, Connie, th this is a very long scene. I didn't clip any of it. No, because it's boring. Uh, yeah. Connie is going to pray harder than ever for grandma. And uh, <laughs> ooh, 
and her her very and remember her mom june is faithless and she is being much more realistic she well and also just because she's an adult she knows what the medical side of this is she knows that that her mother-in-law is going to die and connie is like no but i'm praying so much and i think there might be an interesting lesson here in especially for christian kids that like hey sometimes you can pray as hard as you want and it might not get the result that you want. But, right. you which, know. which is why you have to go back to praying in Latin. Right. Yes, exactly. Because that's the only language God <laughs> I speaks. I want my priest facing away from me. The whole mass. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so many scenes in Odyssey. I took this like during this episode. Ass. Sorry, I just <laughs> I just wanted to step back. That's that's why you want look, the priest look. facing away we're, from you. We're, we're going to Sunday oh, ass. Tight. Uh, it's tight. That's why uh, there's a whole part of the Catholic Mass that I'm, you might not be aware of this, uh-huh. where we just throw quarters and see if we can bounce it off that thing, <laughs> or, or land it between the cheeks. If you can get lodged Ooh, in there, if you land it in the crack, you get an indulgence. <laughs> I'll say it's an indulgence. Hell yeah. See, now I'm imagining those like, they don't really have these anymore, but those little like um, charity coin spinner things. Oh, those little yeah, vortexes yeah. you drop in the coin. That you but have at like the Children's Museum or yeah, whatever. Yeah, right at the bottom there is just the priest's anus. <laughs> Like his 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 whole That's where the trouble started. His whole ass is the coin funnel. Well, aren't there aren't there a lot of like medieval drawings of priests with giant funnels coming out of their anuses, or was that just Monty Python and I'm sort of equating it with actual medieval I, I drawings? Think, yeah, I think I think I that think, might just be you, actually. I, I, think, I think you that are might be you specifically confusing mm-hmm. the various visual artworks of Terry Gilliam. God, I'm sorry, this was off Josh's Deviant Art account. It's yeah. in between uh, the Goku and Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. alright. I understand your confusion. Yeah. Um, but, but so many scenes in Odyssey end with a let's talk about this later. I'm so busy. And it's like, <laughs> particularly in the two parters, right? Where they really have to stretch for time. That's, I think that's one of the funniest observations you've made about the <laughs> writing of this show specifically. And that is why it's like perfect for the demographic of kids it's trying to reach. <laughs> right, right. They're so busy. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, kids with parents that are just working all the time. Yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But the kids do. Let's be real. The Protestant work ethic doesn't just stop with the adults. It's going to go all the way down. Josh had to fucking plant tulips all year (laughs) round. Those bulbs getting all over town. I mean, genuinely, the way his people are, you you don't buy them. You have to cut them from your neighbor's yard without them spotting you. And and Josh's small form was able to help him hide. That was the thing. That was one of the advantages. Yeah. Yeah. Would get sent out uh, on scouting missions. Yeah. He wasn't so good at carving shoes, but they still made him do it. Right. Yeah. He's Whitland. The one thing that Josh got exempted from was putting a wagon wheel on top of his schoolhouse so that a stork could build a nest there. That's right, Brian. What the fuck? You know so much. into so much shit from your horrible, vapid culture, Josh. It is it is wild to me that we have gone through. I've heard every stereotype so many times, and I thought I fully knew Waluigi. But to learn that at one point he built a wagon wheel on top of Peach Castle for a stork to build a nest. Yeah, they're insane. mean too. They have really sharp beaks. They'll stab right through your hand. I'm just imagining. Yeah, Mario. He's running around, and he gets to the Waluigi part of town when he busts open a question mark block, and then some Oli Bolin comes out. You know what? No, I'm 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 back on my bullshit. If 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 Waluigi has a wagon wheel, Mario has a magan meal, and God I'm just gonna it. stick with that. Fuck it. You 
stay away from my mag in the needle. So, we have... We have Katie so much more stork. episode to talk about. Kind of. Like, we don't we don't need to get all <laughs> these do. clips That's done. That's true. But That's like, true. Well, yeah. okay. Let's let, yeah. I'll, let me trace just a couple pieces here, right? Connie's going ham on the prayer. And meanwhile, yeah. over at Wit's End, Eileen, that's Zachary's mom, uh, r- really, come on, Eileen. She really wants to know come what on, happened Eileen. with the Imagination Station because she's fucking pissed. And yeah. she chews Jason the fuck out. What did you think you were doing by giving him all that false hope? False hope? How is he supposed to cope with real life when you've created something that reinforces his desire to escape? Maybe this will help him cope with real life better than he could before. Maybe it'll increase his desire to do his exercises so he can walk in real life. I don't know. That's That's the problem. You don't know. I mean, she's right. Yeah. She's just right. Ultimately, she is she is the correct one here. The I'm yeah. sorry to say that yeah. the wit line of like trust the parents uh, is the way to go on this. Yeah. And the show the show is on her side here, yeah. too. Like it's it's they're not trying. Yeah. They're they're they pretty clearly show that Jason has gone out over his skis here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Jason's um, just too young. He's just a young guy without yeah. any kids. Um, it, it, But here's the thing. We have courts like she should sue him. There was no informed consent here for the child or neither the child nor the guardian. Do you think that maybe Wits End has one of those things they do on reality TV shows where it's just like you, <laughs> by, you by forego all this. rights by entering this premises? <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's what they did after Rodney fell through the, the skylight. Yeah, right, yeah. right, 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 right. They yeah, have yeah, it yeah, on yeah. the skylight, yes. actually. Yes, you yes, fall yes. through here, you get to be an experimental lab rat. <laughs> no, those clauses aren't legally enforceable. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, Zach comes back to wit's end. He wants to go back into the machine. And Jason then tells Zach's mom that she should let him do it. And this sends Jack to 11. Jack is like, no fucking way. You violated the cardinal rule. It's always been wit's policy never to contradict parents, particularly in front of the children. And as best as I can tell, it's a rule that's worked well since the place opened. Well, sure, but what was the harm in trying... Don't you see? It's like parents are contradicted at every turn by every other institution. They look to wit's end to help support them. But I happen to think she was wrong in this case. Oh, and you're the one who's going to tell parents they're wrong and how they raise their own children? No, no, of course not. That, that, Jack... It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's right, he's right, he's right. And then he's like, parents are contradicted at every turn by every other institution. Not us. Not focus on the family. Not James Mm -hmm. Dobson who says, you're raising your kids like a pussy. You need to hit them more. It's it's interesting, too, because, like, at this stage in the show... As opposed to those early episodes we listened to, this is not just the show being a mouthpiece for James Dobson himself, right? At this point, the show has its own voice. It has its own characters. Its writers are doing the things that they want to do. But every so often... We just get this blast of pure ideology. It's it's so interesting. It's like, oh, yeah. So the school's inherently anti-parent. The the, the church, I guess, inherently anti-parent. The TV the commercials, everything. Yeah, yeah, everything. And I mean, there was certainly a strain in popular culture when we were kids of like, hey, kids, fucking, you know better than your parents. Isn't that fucking cool? Here's Poochie. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just realized that. Both of these episodes are just asking one very fundamental question. Mm. Mm. Whose children are they? Whose children are they? Seriously, AJ? though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just that. It's that. This stuff doesn't fucking change. Yeah. And again, no. the irony of this, because James Dobson's whole thing was that he worked for a hospital 
that right usc that, medical center that yeah. was a last resort for kids suffering from severe mental illness right, right? that right. that did in fact take custody of children away from their parents oh god but that's the thing right that's the other thing too is that guys like dobson are still in all of those medical facilities right yeah there, there is like this is he is not just a guy he is a type of guy yeah. who actually do believe that beating the shit out of kids is gonna or like yeah bring them well, to and jesus dobson, and there, there are movements within evangelical christianity uh, like the book to raise up a child that go far further. Yes. And this is this is a book that the Duggars read, for instance, that that talks about right. using corporal punishment on your children before they are even a year old. And the Duggars uh, famously <sighs> clean cut family. Do not Google uh, Josh Duggar children. Yeah. Um, nope. d- yeah. Don't do it. So, look, we, we've talked a bit here about like how wild this shit all is. But I think the craziest piece of this is then the equivalency that they make in this very next clip. This is like those arcade games you create. <laughs> Why shouldn't I? Look, you know, this I'm is as way keen worse. on new ideas as anybody, but they've got to be developed carefully. You created arcade games, and they were noisy and... And fun. Oh, fun, maybe. <laughs> Love that read. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. what we're trying to do here. We want to create fun with learning. Oh, come on, Jack. Give me some credit. Edutainment. I reprogrammed those machines to include learning, and you approved of them. Sure. I was for anything that would help the kids and turn down the volume. But we still don't know how much learning the kids are doing when they're dazzled by lights and noise. This is like, because uh, like Marshall Younger wrote the previous one. So this is right. like Paul McCusker, like putting him in his place. And the thesis sort of gets kicked up one more level here too because now brian dern who's like the local shock jock or whatever he's gotten word of the miracle machine right yeah and so he uh gives jason a call and is like hey can i see it and then this happens he's coming over this afternoon Mm. what are you gonna do well i'll talk to him about it and when handicapped kids all over town, maybe all over the state, come to be healed, what then? Well, look, we'll just deal with that when it happens. I'll establish some rules about how the machine should be used. Oh, so you're not against rules as such, just the old rules. Look, Jack, you worry too much. This whole thing will work out fine, mm-hmm. trust me. Mm-hmm. Let the word get out. It could lead to some wonderful things for the kids. Why are you so afraid of this new technology? I mean, it's like a miracle of science. Because there are no such things as miracles of science. Uh, Jack, how many people die of anthrax every year? <laughs> how many people die of polio each year? Hmm. How many people die of measles? Fuck, wait. Well, okay. <laughs> Hold on, I just looked at the numbers. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 but how many people die of COVID-19? Oh, no. Oh. We were doing so well, but like... We were doing so you well. Know, we don't get people dying of tuberculosis as frequently... Or the bubonic plague, for instance. There are, in fact, things that have been done through scientific means that have, in in very rare cases, completely eradicated diseases like smallpox. And in other cases, reduce them to such a point where it's it's negligent, where it used to be just like a regular occurrence that, that a child would just fucking die. And right. when when these advancements are partnered with public health education and infrastructure Mm -hmm. we get measurably better health outcomes but to go back to measles and covid once you start having people think individualistically and and sort of questioning oh well this i don't know about this science that's when you start to see worse uptake of things that objectively 
reduce mortality mm-hmm. and make people's lives better. And, and, you know, medicine is not a silver bullet. There's there's nothing that cures everything. There is no panacea. But like, again, it's, it, it goes back to this fucking ideology piece where I look at this and all I can hear when I when I hear there's no miracles of science. All I can see is some fucking kid dying in a hospital because their parents refuse to get them a fucking measles vaccine. Yeah, it makes me right. so mad. You can make the argument that God is working through the scientists in order to make these like breakthroughs mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. And I think that's sort of, I think where most Christians kind of end up on it. A penicillin came around because God uh, uh, made this person who was then smart enough to like, well, dumb enough to leave mold around yeah, for yeah. a while and then come back. But you know, it was like an act of God that made that happen. And, and to that, I say, well, you can't, I mean that, that I I understand more. Yeah. Right. But, but this, this belief that if you just, Pray hard enough that God will just eradicate COVID-19 from the face of the planet because science doesn't do miracles. Yeah. yeah. When this episode proves that God does. Well, that's the thing is, like, I, I think the perspective of this episode is like, yeah, it's it's not just that, like, oh, God's going to handle it. It's like God doesn't fucking handle it. You know, uh, unless he feels By like it, choice. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Th- he's a malicious God who also loves you, but you should suffer. <laughs> yeah. But I love you but so like, much. That's kind of where you have to land if you're, yeah. if you're a modern person. And if you really think that God is sort of is omniscient in an active sense, right, is is fully right. aware of everything that you do and chooses to keep up to date on everything, then then, yes, he chooses to stay out of things. Um, or he's simply just so large that the idea of full knowledge is is actually a little bit more abstract than that. How large you know? is he? How how large is he? Yeah. Well, there's there's one guy who's actually bigger sometimes. <laughs> bigger under than certain God? circumstances. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Could God make a Goku so big <laughs> <laughs> that even he could not feed it? <laughs> Oh, I don't know, God. I don't think I can take another bite. Yes, you can. <laughs> God's power is over 9,000. I, I think there is sort of a just a standard cultural reaction to hearing something like Miracle of Science. Right. Mm. Like and and I don't think it's necessarily yeah. a wrong one. We have had issues with certain drugs that like seem to be pretty great. And then bad things happen. Yeah. Oxycontin. Right. Uh, yes. We can talk about things like a fen or other, you know, diet drugs or various uh, mood right. stabilizers that it's like, oh, yeah, this is just Valium and it's probably not a good thing to be taking all your life. Yeah. Ivermectin or or, or <laughs> Ivermectin is actually a great drug. Just yeah, not for what they no. for horses. Well, it's great. It's great for people. If people live near like water sources that are contaminated right. with parasites and they're dealing with parasites, that's why people always bring out, oh, it's an award winning drug. It's like, yeah, it's a drug that treats a different thing. But like, and we also like the the United States government's long running and very well documented history of using medicine toward actual genocidal ends. Mm-hmm. This is all known. I'm not saying any of what I'm saying to be like, well, we just need to trust the science and we yeah. need to trust the government. It's that you go so far in the other direction, you throw the baby out with the bathwater, and then you end up in a situation where nobody knows anything. Yeah. Like there's 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 no. A uh, way to agree on any sort of consensus truth. And these episodes are in 1995. 
Right. And at this point, I think there was still sort of a sense of consensus truth in the American body politic. Absolutely. Probably more so than at any other point. Right. There was like no difference between the parties whatsoever. Uh, Exactly. Like Bill Clinton's uh, approach to things was effectively, for the most part, the neocon approach. And which is why the project to take him down was built on him as an individual. Right. His criminal dealings or his stuff with Whitewater or eventually his uh, sexual proclivities. But all this is to say there's something so interesting about the way that they are framing up all of these ideas Mm -hmm. in a way that to me shows that they don't know what they're talking about clearly. And we've talked about a lot of reasons that this is the case. Yeah. They also don't care about the broader ramifications of what it is that they are saying. All they want to do at the end of the day is close the deal, sort of to what you were saying, AJ, right? It's like, if we go a little too far in this direction, then the kids won't love Jesus. If we go into this direction, you know, they won't care about Jesus enough from their own personal selves. And it's like, you are structuring an entire show not around helping kids actually understand the world in any meaningful way or improving their own creative abilities or intellectual understandings. All you are doing is tailoring a sale to them. And all you want to do is close that deal. Oh, it makes me mad. Yeah. (laughs) And sales are usually your thing, you Dutch boy. (laughs) I love sales. I love a deal. (laughs) So Wits End gets fucking swarmed with every disabled kid in like the tri-state area. (laughs) The whole, yeah, tri-county area at least. Uh, Kids from Connellsville uh, and elsewhere yeah we've 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 sort of descended back into uh rousseau's state of nature here oh um college boy well well well, someone's read a book (laughs) the kids are just fucking going going like hog wild right just yeah uh, this is actually pretty much the same soundscape that we heard in that other adventures in odyssey Mm -hmm. episode about the arcade they're just reusing everything and and but but it's like i mean these are conservative people these are conservative thinkers and they're witnessing the market in action yes but there is a huge demand for this product and one supply they're witnessing a lot of uh people volunteering to become dependent on something now these people are children anyway but uh either way (laughs) They are literally dependent. This is is something Thomas Sowell would fucking vomit on the floor in front of him if he saw this sort of behavior. Um, So uh, Zachary shows up and he's like, I was the first one to do it. Let me back in. His mom drags him out. And this is this is where we get a a really dark, very Jack Allen clip. Then I'd rather be in make-believe than stuck in this awful wheelchair. I want to go in. No, you're coming with me. Now. I won't. Oh, yes, you will. No! Leave me alone! I don't want to go! Stop! Jack! Please, help help me! Listen to me, Zachary. You can do as your mother says and go out, or you can be carried out. It's your choice. But I don't want to go. I know you don't, but you have to obey your mother. It's up to you how you want to do it. All right, I'll go. But I hate you for this. I hate all of you. Fair. There, Jason. I hope you're satisfied. There's two ways you're going out of here, kid. (laughs) In an ambulance or a body bag. (laughs) It's so dark. Connie's last moment with her grandmother is also like cards on the table. This is it. And Connie asks her, like, why have I been praying for you all this time then? Yeah. And her grandmother says, well, you haven't been praying for me. You have been praying for you and you should pray again, which I. I, We weren't praying for Connie's grandma. Yeah. (laughs) Connie's grandma. 
was praying for yeah. us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, I think that's an interesting perspective. And it's again, it's the one thing that you get yeah. to if you're a modern person, if you're a realistic person, is that at the end of the day, yeah, why do you keep praying to God for something that's going to be futile, something that's not going to be answered by God with a yes? And it's because the reason is actually something beyond the power of divine intervention. Well, in, in the idea, too, that prayer sort of gets you in touch with the divine mind uh, is a very charismatic Christian idea. Yeah, like sure. this, this this one to one like link, you know, you're basically jacking into the mainframe uh, when you right. pray. Right. You know, there's it just reminded me of like Philippians four, seven, um, which is and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This idea that like there is something bigger than you. And it is only by experiencing a small piece of that bigger thing that you yourself will be able to survive what life throws at you. Right. Mm. That was Philippians 4, 7, right? Yeah. Fuck. I put Philippians 4, 8. I'm never getting to the next level. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, the more well-known verse is Philippians 4, 13. That's for the real heads out there. Uh, Yeah. What does that say? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right. Right. And not the imagination fucking station. No, Christ no, has to God do it. it. I feel like there could be like a really like radical, cool version of Jesus where they quote that and then like Jesus offers them like a line and they just do like <laughs> rails of cocaine. Uh, you have so, such a beautiful mind, AJ. You really do. This is why we keep you around. Uh, Jack comes by Zachary's place to check in. He's doing yeah. the wit thing, right? Yeah. He's going to children's houses after work hours. He says, you know, I'm sorry I had to threaten you, but you were being a little hysterical. Yeah, he's like, you were being a, a little great, bitch. Great like, line. I needed to put you um, in your place. Jack Jack basically lets him know that uh, when he gets that feeling, he needs that spiritual healing. Uh, we're all... Boy. We're all spiritually handicapped without Jesus, he says. Oh, okay. Well, I came over to tell you something that I think is even more important than whether you walk again or not. Okay. There's a more important healing I want you to think about. Like what? Uh Uh-oh. Spiritual healing, Zachary. (laughs) Oh, oh, my God. (laughs) It's not the handicap on the outside you have to worry about, but the one on the inside. No, that doesn't. And without Jesus Christ, we're all spiritually handicapped. It reminds me of the episode of Dexter's Laboratory where he wants to become rugged so he grows a beard and Action Hank from the TV tells him it's not the beard on the outside but the beard on the That's inside. Fine. But like also there are handicaps on the inside. Yeah. I have one of them. <laughs> so you got one of the one of the ones that matters, Josh. That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, but you know what, Josh? Uh, I got a cure for you. Uh, oh, yeah? His name is Jesus Christ. Oh. And has he got some cocaine for you, buddy? But yeah, I, I, I did want to take just a moment because yeah. we've talked about this at length. But I guess the last piece that I wanted to talk about was exactly sort of what you were just saying, AJ. This idea yeah. that, well, you might have trouble in your life, but just give it over to Christ and, you know, yeah. it'll be OK. Let go and let God. That's right. Um, No. O- OK. Like, no, I'm sorry, yeah. but just no. I, you know, yeah. even if you are a very dedicated Christian and you believe fervently and wholeheartedly, there are going to be moments that are too much. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they are going to be too much whether or not you invoke your own faith. And I just can't. 
it comes back to the simplicity thing. It comes back to the way that they don't want to actually engage with how difficult these things are. It's pat. It's bullshit. But you know what? At the end of this episode, Connie's grandma finally fucking dies. And Chris lets us know that although we can, this is this was one of my favorite parts. Chris saying that although we can pray for what we want, ultimately, God will give us what is best for us. Then I had to go throw up, yeah. like not literally, but I just like again, God, it, it, God. it's like you, you've 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 developed some of this realism and then you toss it back out because at right. the end of the day, it's yeah. not that Connie's grandmother died for Connie's journey to improve. It, it's Mm-mm. because she died. Yeah. And every single person, except for according to some medieval <laughs> uh, myth makers, uh, one particular guy of a particular right. religious uh, belief. Lazarus. Yeah. Uh, mm. Everybody dies. It just happens. And it, it, it's going to hit you. It's, it's going to hit me. Anything. It's going to hit AJ. It's going to hit everybody. You know, like there, it yeah. doesn't, there's not this Wait, grand. You know? Like yeah. it doesn't all happen for a reason. It doesn't happen for no. your benefit specifically. It fucking happens. Yeah. And you just need to figure out what you're going to do with it. Yeah. yeah, and you know what really sucks is that McCusker gets really, really close to saying something poignant in this mm-hmm. episode, and it's in that scene between Connie and Jack where uh, Connie, Jack is just there to comfort her, and he does yeah. sermonize at her a little bit, but there was a line that actually really got me, and I think it, it, it has a lot to do with Katie Lee's performance in this where she just says, thanks for being here, Jack, mm-hmm. and she's just so, t- I think she also says, I'm just so tired. And you really feel it in a way. And it's not what Jack is saying. It's the fact that he's there and that he's talking at all. Right. Uh, Yeah. The times that I have been comforted most in grief are when someone just sits next to me and is they could be talking about anything. It doesn't fucking matter. Like you're not really hearing it anyway. It's just the fact that there is somebody there who cares about you, who is there to take care. And that's why Connie's grandma wanted Connie there to be praying from this prayer book. It's because it also just brought her comfort to have her granddaughter there and to have this this ritual with her. Yeah, but but the show would never admit that because that's not the agenda it's trying to yeah. push. Which right? is so strange because it's like there's nothing unchristian about pointing that fact. No, up. no, it doesn't mean no. that the faith is fake, but it comes close to, I guess, an idea that you might be uncomfortable with. You know, it right. might make you poke holes in, yeah. in ways that you don't want to. Well, yeah. look, if an, if a didactic one size fits all approach to death and mourning is your kind of thing. You're going to have a great time in the second half of this episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to bury Connie's grandma uh, and we're going to learn a little more about Eugene. So stay tuned for that right after this. Daily log number 3892. This is Dr. Oswald Oliver, primary physician for test subject 318. Overall, the patient is stable, showing no outward signs of distress. Responding well to light-based stimuli and reflexes seem on par with previous subjects. The rapidity of the aging suggests 318 will follow a similar trajectory as 317, but thankfully it seems that this subject's pain tolerance is much higher. We've put 318 on 30 milliliters of the serum, which appears to have reduced the mutations significantly. I will continue monitoring and update as needed. Apologies, I feel I should mention. There was a moment during a particularly violent growth spurt where the subject grabbed onto my coat and made eye contact with me. It seemed as if it were trying to communicate with me. Its mouth had obviously been clamped shut to allow the tongue to grow in fully. I didn't know quite what to do, so I took the subject's hand in mine and told it I was there to take care of it. 
and that everything would be all right. I don't... I don't know if that was the right thing to do. There is also the matter of the book. Come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Oh my god. Oh my god, is it a wake? Th that's not possible! H hold on, hold on, it's alright, it's alright. Here, here, no, 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 it's okay, it's alright. Here, we it's okay. I've got you. I've got you. Daily log number 4936. Subject is progressing nicely. I have begun monitoring him in the rocket. The core memory implantation has been going smoothly, but today was... difficult. It was one of the more important memories, the day he learns of his son Jerry's death. Many of our early attempts resulted in fairly aggressive responses. Chairs thrown, walls punched through, 189 even attacked the messenger. But this one... 318. He didn't fight. He didn't even move from the doorway. He simply looked straight up into the sky, and in his eyes I saw a question. The same question that's been running through my mind these last few months. What kind of God would allow this? What kind of God? This is Dr. Oswald Oliver, Daily Log 498. Um, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. I have tried to maintain objectivity, remind myself that this is all for a greater good, but it seems I have failed. I have grown to care about this one. I can't explain it, but when he looks at me, I see myself reflected in him. He is not 318. Not to me. He is John. And I can't stand idly by and watch as he suffers so. I am disabling the security protocols. We are going to escape together or die trying, and when you find this, as I know you will, I just want to say... I'm sorry. I failed you. But I made a promise that I would take care of him. And I aim to. John! John, can you hear me? John, say something. You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. And wait till you see that sunshiny day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come. And babe, won't it be fine? Uh, my, my One of my favorite things from those last two episodes is that like mm. they give a little moment for Bart Rathbone to come on the radio. Yeah. And he's just yes. like, this is the kind of shit what goes down at Wit's End. Bart Rathbone has been using this incident as an example of how dangerous Wit's End has become over the past few months. 
The games at my place are safe and mindless, he said this That's afternoon. That's true. Almost like Bart has some plans for world domination, perhaps. Hmm. I I hmm. did I did take that note. I said Bart's sneaking in. Mm -hmm. He sure is. Slip sliding in. The eternal Bart. And <laughs> I am slip sliding in to episode 320. Where is thy sting? Ooh. The first good title in Odyssey episode has ever had. I'm I'm not going to I was mentally trying to cycle through all 319 yeah, previous episodes say. and I couldn't get there. I saw <laughs> it. I saw it. You, you looked you looked like Benedict Cumberbatch like going, going into, into his mind, mind palace. Yes. You're just uh, you're it's my mind it's my mind up. place which uh. is my Oh. form of a mind palace oh, oh I okay. see. Yeah. yeah it was weird you had to put on the apple pro headset actually to get that but yes we are we are back here june 24 1995 is when this episode aired and it's just following right up where we left off jack is at wit's end he's looking for the odyssey times for connie's grandma's obituary uh which prompts eugene to get a little philosophical yeah, that's right, folks. Eugene is in this episode. Great news. This is another thing where it's like they introduce another conflict into the scene because Jack is talking about how poorly formatted the newspaper is. That's right. And he's how not he's gonna, happy. He's going to need to like have a personal conversation with Dale Jacobs on formatting it better. Which I love. This is very wit-coded behavior. <laughs> yeah, it just is. Sticking your nose where it absolutely does not belong and assuming you have subject matter expertise in something you know absolutely nothing about. <laughs> Although yeah, I will yeah. say I've always found newspapers confusing. Just put the whole article in one place mm. instead of splitting oh, yeah, it up. Jump it around. Yeah. Well, it's supposed, to, it's supposed to put your eye towards the ads. Well, I don't gotta... fucking care. It makes it hard to read. <laughs> but it's, I, I like the physical action of like going searching for it. I don't Brian, know. I've, got I like, I like I've got great news for you about physical newspapers <laughs> and their trajectory Ooh, in the 21st yeah. century. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I bet I, I have a solution that could save their business. Oh, yeah. Don't do the, the one thing that I don't like. I'm sure okay. that's why everything sucks for you. <laughs> fucking got their asses. Yeah. They also they have a line in here too that I thought was very interesting, which is just that Eugene is just like eleven lines to sum up a life. And I was just like, this is the most freshman year of college <laughs> ten minute one act. Yeah, but I've but that's ever kind of seen. Eugene, isn't it? Like yeah. he kinda is that guy. I, well, I he's in college. I get that. But the problem is is that the writers of this episode, which is McCusker, let's be very clear, yeah. think it's just like, yeah, man. That's real deep and profound shit. And I'm like, God, like I've know so many writers who are out writing this motherfucker like <laughs> 10 years before he came. Like, I mean, give the them an audio drama. Here. Well, here's yeah. the thing, AJ. There's just not really a venue for conservative playwrights out there. Ooh, we need some Brian. sort of a conservative theater festival. Yeah, that Brian. comes big. annually. Brian, do I have some news for you? Oh, is it is it formatted on one page with the article <laughs> all together? <laughs> Yeah, it sure is, Brian. Wow, you, you. It's like it's like you programmed this. You know what's real fun about it too is mm. that uh, it's also a festival that I may have submitted a play for last year and was rejected for. Uh, you submitted a play to that fucking thing in Ohio? Yeah, yeah. It was about a man who was trying to get the largest dildo he could possibly get <laughs> up his ass, and and at the and at the end he he looked out the audience and said. I'm James Dobson. And then there was a blackout. Good. Did I That's, write yeah. this? <laughs> yeah. That's almost as good as mine. No, his name wasn't XQJXY Dobson. Look, XQG Dobson is a very important <laughs> character and you have to learn how to pronounce his name. Listen. XQG Dobson. <laughs> I, I hate to take this delightful discussion and pull it back in, but we got to get through this episode, <laughs> yeah, boys. Yeah, we do. We do. We got to go. Connie 
comes across an old music box at her grandma's place that plays an old hymn. Sure and does. this music box is going to matter for plot reasons. Yeah. Meanwhile, the reverend from Connie's grandma's church in New York has come by the place to basically say hi to Connie and June. Uh, and, and then and amidst all of this, it's like, oh, no, we need to pick dad up from the airport. That's right, folks. Bill is back in town and he is not happy. My mother had just stayed in New York or moved in with me in April like I wanted. Uh, no, don't be ridiculous, Bill. We were happy to have her with us. Yeah, what are you talking about? I'm talking about my mother dying here in Odyssey. That's what. Oh. We could reschedule the meeting with the funeral home. Uh, maybe it'd be better if uh, we... Could. Don't reschedule anything, June. Just Let's just get this over with, all right? I, I want to bury my mother and get out of here. Okay, honestly, mood. Yeah, he's going through it. Uh-huh. Very, yeah. Pretty authentically. But he's doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. And here's the reasons why. <laughs> Grief can only be one because way. Because he does not have the Lord. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, Bill is pissed off, uh, mostly at himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also pretty unhappy that, like, his mom died in Odyssey, which, again, mood. Yeah. Um, it's like, th- there's a number of things here where we are clearly supposed to be like, wow. Look at this guy. Look at the way that he's grieving. Yeah. If it were me, I simply would not be grieving like that. <laughs> that That's, I think, the most insidious part about this particular episode, which is just that there's a lot of stuff that's put on Bill that I don't think is entirely his fault. Look, he is not a good guy. No, I don't think he's a good father. And I think there are moments in this where he could show, uh, you know, uh, show an ounce of compassion towards his daughter who lost her grandmother mm-hmm. that uh, she very much loved. But I I think that it is unfair to completely attack Bill for unraveling like he does because of the guilt that he feels for not being there for his mom because he was just drowning in poon on a cruise ship. Mm -hmm. There's a I mean, there's really like a a get a lot of this guy Mm -hmm. kind of thing going on, isn't there? It just sucks because people people go through grief in so many different ways. Some people are just completely shell shocked. Some people, you know, do the classic tearing their hair out, crying their eyes out kind of thing. Some people just get like. I don't know, very funny about it. Like they just get very like gallows humor. Like that's mm-hmm. how they like work mm-hmm. their way through it. And to, to say that as a Christian, you have an obligation to like be pr- like sad about it. Like, you know, Connie talks about crying and like remembering good times or whatever, but ultimately uh, they're better off because they're with Jesus right. now. Well, I figured that this one should be more like uh, a celebration. You know, we lost her. Yeah, but she's home now. She's in heaven with Jesus, and, and I can't think of any. Connie, better- Connie, hold on. If you're thinking that my mother's funeral service is going to be some kind of a, a party, well, then you're on the wrong track. Not a party, Dad, but it needs to be more than just a lot of talk about death. Uh. I think we ought to balance our loss with heaven's gain. It doesn't have to be sad but kind of happy in a way. No offense, sweetheart, but I don't want a pie-in-the-sky service for my mother, okay? I mean, look, if, if, if my mom had died in Odyssey, I would be feeling the exact same fucking way. I think that Connie's grandma is the first woman of God from New York City, right? Ever. That's ever shown up in Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, like, and someone also... from the big city. And the, the Reverend is also yes, uh, yeah. from yes. New York. Uh, by the way, the Reverend is played by a, an actor named Charles Howerton. No relation. So, anyway, Charles Howerton was in a bunch of, like, 70s garbage. He was in okay. a pretty infamous piece of black exploitation called Black Ooh. Gestapo, okay. which is exactly Whoa. what it sounds like. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
<laughs> so it's just like it's fun to see a guy whose whose career is just entirely schlock and then adventures in Odyssey. Were you guys as surprised wow. as I was that when the New York minister showed up, he was like somebody who they were empathetic toward and, and who was like doing Christianity the right mm, way? I wasn't unquote. surprised because he was Connie's grandma's pastor. Sure, sure. Uh, oh, interesting. Like they, yeah, yeah. They, they weren't going to edit. The only character that's going to be of any interest in this episode is Bill. Yeah. No other yeah, conflicts. I, I and honestly, I think that's smart because, it, you know, in terms of like providing just so, a sole antagonist, I think that's kind of all that Odyssey can ever juggle yeah. at once mm-hmm. is just. And, you know, I think that's smart. But yeah, it was it was a surprise that they weren't immediately distrustful of this guy from the big city, which mm-hmm. is a way that I, I maybe maybe it is because Connie was originally from L.A. And so there right. is sort of like a they they locked eyes like so we both like tall buildings and jazz. Yeah, and yeah. they're like, great, great. We're on the same wavelength. But Bill here. Yeah, he is the dude who sucks. And honestly, it, were it not for the fact that they're putting their finger on the scale so heavily, I would like this a lot. Yeah. What is the difference between a portrayal where he sort of sucks in a way that is maybe empathetic and relatable and we're not immediately judging him versus what they are doing here? What is that difference? The difference is it's not made by focus on the family. Yeah, like I think there's so much that we just bring to this because of who wrote this episode and also just because we have met Bill before. We have also had a bunch of episodes where he's kind of out of our range, but we know what he's up to and it's some Mm -hmm. stupid bullshit. Right. So we're taking all of the baggage with us. I think there would be one thing, too, where I mean, I like the idea of Bill taking control of the funeral and having like Connie have a moment where she's just like, but you weren't even here. Mm. Yeah, that would be more interesting if, if you have <laughs> characters who then start to actually like be judgmental. Right. Yeah. And Connie's too yes. Christian to do that now. Christians mm-hmm. are never judgmental. Right. Famously, especially evangelicals, especially yeah. not wit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> never once. <laughs> just Jack shows up at the funeral. OK, Bill. <laughs> you can leave or I can carry you out. <laughs> but your father's perspective seems very much what I'd expect from someone who believes in... Uh, what does your father believe in? Damn. Nothing as far as I know. So for him, death is a big empty nothingness. Alas, take it from one who has explored many philosophies of life and death. If he considers death a void, then it may make him wonder if even life itself is a void as well. Few things are more certain to make people search for meaning in their lives than when face to face with the meaning of death. This doesn't okay, that feel doesn't like make profound. Any sense this doesn't to feel me. true to Eugene. And what at exactly all. is your thinking on the meaning of life and death? Oh, well, for me, the meaning of life and death is uh, ooh, to get back to work on the displays upstairs. Uh, see you tonight, Connie. <laughs> That's right. Eugene just read Candide, and he's like, "Yes, <laughs> the entire purpose of life is that we cultivate our garden." He 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 got a PTSD flashback right yeah. there. Like he was just yeah. right back in hell in the imagination station, crying out for wit. Which is why he must swallow the Voltaire pill. Absolutely. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> It's just so strange because it's like, yeah, but you also treat life as a void because you're like the next life is going to be so much fucking better. I I feel like this argument, what it can lead to is a lot of Christians thinking, but I'm a Christian, so I'll be fine. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Regardless of the actions that I do. I'm going to heaven because I'm a Christian already, you know, and Mm -hmm. there is sort of like 
a little bit of leeway in there, I think, where like people will sort of go out of their way to do good things because they think that they're being watched all the time. That's sort of the way it goes about it. But really, in actuality, the people who are the most vocal are the ones doing the horrible things, but being like, no, but I'm doing it with my good heart and my good Christian heart. And that is why I am doing a good thing. Yeah. And you are the bad one. I don't know. I, I feel like maybe you should live life and be nice to people without the guarantee that there's a reward on the other side, that maybe the void makes it that 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 this is all there is and that you should make it the fucking best thing it should be because that is all there is. They cannot countenance the existence of any other approach to life other than right. this sort of pure nihilism well, that and, even and, nihilists don't necessarily ascribe to. And I think that's because they have not given themselves space to consider it. Yeah. Right. When when you look at sure. excuse me, a Paul McCusker has totally picked <laughs> apart his beliefs and become an Anglican, right? right? He's been on a journey. When you look at the sort of body of what they create here, it's so clear that they're not willing to countenance ideas that scare them, mm-hmm. because that would then mean wrestling with those ideas. Yeah, and that is in and of itself inherently scary. Yeah. We can't have more people abandoning their Methodism for the Church of England. Right. (laughs) God save our noble king. He'll survive another month, but probably not. Keep going. He's got cancer in his bones, but we can't say those tones. Oh, wow. (laughs) <laughs> because he is our king. Okay. Yeah. I come on him. <laughs> See, Josh, you keep blaming all the cum jokes on AJ and me. No, it's just AJ. <laughs> he can't help himself. No, he can't. It's just his mind goes straight to jism. <laughs> it's really incredible that we magicked our way into Ong's hat without him. Maybe it was it was we detected his absence and therefore yeah. yeah, no, no, that was that was this has all been a psyop. Yeah, well, that's, that was all time. part of the ARG associated Absolutely. with that episode is that you discover AJ in his swimming pool full of seminal fluid. <laughs> <laughs> well, next to, next to me, uh, nine portraits of the king. <laughs> well, I unfortunately am going to have to get back into some seminal fluids here. Yeah. The seminal fluids of this plot. Yeah, we, we got to mm-hmm. we got to bring our cum tributes over from King Charles the Third to uh, Bill Kendall once That's more. Right. <laughs> because Bill is <laughs> now sort of in a long, dark night of the soul. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He really just he's he's ha- he's going through it. And he's found the music box from earlier and it's got his name on the bottom and it's got a Bible verse. But it's like, wait, I would never give my my mother yeah. a, a music box with a Bible th- verse th- on this, it. This raises like plot questions that are very mm-hmm. uncomfortable, which is like, yeah, already the grandmother seems like she was a lifelong Christian. We know nothing about Bill's father, but Bill mm-hmm. has never been a Christian. June Kendall has never been a Christian. Connie discovered what Christianity was through wit So presumably did not even really know that her own grandmother was a Christian. Like, remember, she's like, it's Christian, but don't worry. It doesn't mean he hangs around airports. He's not like one of those, (laughs) which maybe her grandmother did. I don't know. (laughs) So so grandma had this music box. It plays a hymn, etc. It has a Bible verse uh, engraved onto it. 
and it also has Bill's name as though it says from Bill from Bill with this Bible verse. Presumably he was the one who got it engraved. And it's like, so did he forget that he went to church as a child? What? Where? When did Connie's grandma start going to church? Like, what was any of this? And it turns out that Bill didn't engrave that. His mother just like engraved that herself. As a reminder? <laughs> this right. is from even, Bill? I don't even think he sent it to her. Like I think she just bought it for herself and was like from Bill Bible verse. That makes no sense. It's like it's trying to set up like a MacGuffin yeah. and it doesn't it doesn't pay off in any meaningful way. Right. It is the kind of behavior that makes me understand why Bill is the way he is. <laughs> if he had his mother like guilt him by just buying a gift that she herself I mean, engraved. Fair fucking play, right? Because yeah. the idea yeah. seems to be that she got it engraved in this way so that he would find it. After, After she, she died, died, it's a little fucking time And then bomb. get guilt tripped into becoming a Christian, question mark? Yeah. Yes. This is the most uh, step one, step two, step three prophet <laughs> yeah. I've ever I mean, seen. Like, Wild. But prophet is spelled P-R-O-P-H-E-T. Yeah. 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 Well, and yeah. anyone yeah. who has had like, uh, let's say an overbearing Christian parent who mm. knows that you are mm. off the path, mm. let's say, like... People have experienced this. Um, I think our yes. listeners have experienced uh-huh. this. Uh-huh. I think that's a resonant experience for a lot mm-hmm. of folks. Uh, I think yeah. a, a way that it was dramatized quite well was with Stephen Karam in the play The Humans, because uh, oh, their parents, yeah. th- the first thing you hear about them as they're walking through the door is that they're always sending them fucking email forwards, little Catholic email forwards about, you know, praying mm-hmm. the rosary mm-hmm. or whatever. And it's it's just adds a very real, very funny thing. Um, yeah. And Bill, of course, like rejects this whole thing. It almost seems like maybe there was just a previous draft where Bill stopped being a Christian because he was mad at God, which is the old chestnut that, of yeah, course, see, that's what God's they should have done. Because like that, that's that would have made this make a little bit more sense. Yeah. It would have made it even more cliche, but at least it would have made sense from a plot perspective. Yeah. Instead, we just sort of have Bill like resisting the call of the spirit, I guess. Yeah. To the point that once he does show up to the visitation for his own mother, uh, he is 100% fucked up. Oh, Bill, what's happened to you? I am grieving the loss of my mother the best way I know how. You do it by having happy funerals, and I do it by by trying to forget. Mm -hmm. And what exactly are you trying to forget? Uh, uh, That would be telling now, wouldn't it? What would you like to do? (laughs) We can't take him inside. Oh, his things are still in our car. I, I don't think he ever checked into the hotel. Uh, we'll take him home. We will? Yes, yes. He can stay in the guest room. Uh-uh. I want to go in first. I want to see my mother. You'll see her tomorrow. People are in there paying their respects, and you wouldn't want them to see you like this, would you? Like what? Bill, we're going home. I've made a mess of it all, haven't I? My marriages, my life, I... I... I couldn't even see my mother before she died. I ruined everything. It's a good performance. Yeah. The, the writing it, could be a little effective. bit. They could, more they could allow those swings to just go bigger, like cut yeah. those previous lines yeah. and just go to I ruined everything. Right. And like let yeah. him be more of a mess. But like the, the performance really rescues it here. And again, it's like, yeah, this this is a real thing. This is a, a, yeah. a way that people handle especially a really messy relationship with death where he wasn't there when she went. They do like blame him for not being there. Yeah. Which is kind of weird because 
how would he have known when he booked the cruise? How would he? he it's not like they can like inform him. This is 95, right? There's when no, you say they blame him, do you mean the characters or the writers or both? Both. I think I think both. I, I The characters may be less. So well, there, there is do. a whole thing when they're like trying to reach him and they're like, he's on a cruise. And it was like, oh, fucking course. He's on a cruise. Yeah. yeah but like, how could he have? Kno- right? He could. His own mother his was, was going to have a heart yeah, attack. She was like downplaying her own health issues, That's even true. though she needed someone to take care of her. It really seemed yeah. like the way she was saying things to others was that, oh, yeah, you know, I need help now. But it could be years. It could be a, a very long time before I'm gone. Him feeling guilty about not being there, I think, completely tracks because Mm -hmm. he wasn't right. And that would be something that I think any any normal person would be like, yeah, of course, I'd feel guilty about not being at the bedside when she went. But it is so weird that the writers are just like, well, it's because he was on a cruise because that's just the kind of guy he is. I'm like, look. I I, ha- I hate to say that I agree with focus on the family on something, but <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, cruises suck. Uh, don't don't go on yeah. them. But like, that's not that's not any reason to like say he's a bad person. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it would make more sense if it was they were sort of blaming the cruise. The characters were blaming the cruise as sort of a stand in for the fact that he sucks and is never around and yeah. doesn't yeah. take ownership over sort of himself. As opposed to literally blaming the cruise and be like, well, were he not on the cruise? Like, that's not really the point here. But that's like a level of sophistication above what this show is generally able to accomplish. So I don't know. It's very possible that at the very moment that Bill's mother died, he was watching the 90 minute cruise cut of Chess, the musical. Yep. Uh huh. Well, just railing (laughs) (laughs) several of the passengers (laughs) who had not put lamb's blood above their doors. There's just some equity actor struggling to get by who at one point gets like a national tour of Frank Wildhorn's The Civil War. And he's just like, (laughs) (laughs) we all know that he's got flashbacks of doing back shots on all these passengers (laughs) in his head. But like, they can't make that explicit. This is a show for children after all. (laughs) And uh, you go you go from coming so hard, you forget your own name to seeing your mom dead in the ground. That's right. AJ. That's life. But yeah, the the, the funeral (laughs) happens. We get a Bible verse montage. Connie gets some nice words. A montage of you. She's like, I want this to be a celebration, not like an ordinary funeral. And then it's just an ordinary (laughs) funeral. It's just the most boring Bible verses. It's a a normal fucking funeral. It's every funeral I've ever been to. I took the note. I, I thought there was nothing worse than a Catholic funeral. I was wrong. No, you were wrong. It's a Protestant no, funeral. No, no, um, no. Okay, I got to go to bat for the Protestants because the funerals are still shorter. That's true. And we're still in that's and out in an hour true. and ready to eat food. Or less, yeah. As as we recall from my funeral that I went to. The, uh, the funeral of you where you died, yeah. Yes. Uh, where I died. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. <laughs> Only other thing I will say about the food at a Protestant funeral is if we're talking Dutch reformed. No, those ham sandwiches, disastrous. Oh, you don't no. mayo oh, for days. That shit. No, not even mayo. So much no, worse. You got to go to the Lutherans because they will they'll just fucking drown you in casserole. Yeah. You know? Look, I'm just I'm getting PTSD flashbacks to those sandwiches and I'd like to move yes. on. So, yeah, no, no, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, <laughs> the last little bit of this episode, then after the funeral, after Bill fucks off because mm-hmm. he's too emotionally immature to handle this because he's not a Christian. Right. Is that June. Connie's mom is well she seems to be sort of open to 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 maybe the leadings of a certain spirit yeah maybe oh. all that prayer 
mm. did uh, uh, something. <laughs> <laughs> did pay off that's the word i'm looking for uh, maybe maybe it turns out connie wasn't praying for grandma and she wasn't praying for, praying for, for herself she was praying, praying for, for mom she praying for june kendall who hey. is now a christian congrats that's right i didn't clip and, it uh, oh. you know but it's just like will you you know help me pray or whatever and then and then chris gives us one more hard sell at the end yeah. <laughs> like you should go out there convert all of your friends to jesus christ convert every single one of your moms i fucking uh, hate this show <laughs> and we still have one more episode to go we do but but on the subject of conversion yeah yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. This is a very small note, but mm. it is weird that when Bill reads the Bible note, he pronounces it First Timothy. But if he were like someone who had no idea about the Bible, he would absolutely like Trump say one Timothy. One Timothy. <laughs> yeah, that's a good catch. But again, that maybe he grew up going to church. Yeah, I think I think yeah, it has then he to also be. Has or he no knowledge know. of First Timothy beyond just knowing how to say it right. So I who. <sighs> We don't know. We don't know. Folks. Yeah. I don't know. And frankly, I don't fucking care. I care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. When did Mildred Bill convert? Is my what is AJ? Mildred's journey? I need a novel I, right now, Paul. I, I feel like by the end of these episodes, AJ, you're usually the one who's just hopping mad. I am like a burning fucking white hot rod of Whoa. incandescent rage. Yeah. Oh, you are. Oh, oh. Yeah, don't, don't, don't. No, no, come on. <laughs> yeah, come yeah, on. You are, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're a rod. You could right. have done yeah, like, you know, the, the, the glowing ball of nickel or something. But no, you went with rod. No, yeah, balls, balls and rods. No, balls. balls. Singular, AJ. Get your know, head out of the cum gutter. The Turning Point, episode 322 of Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. We've skipped over Begins. one episode and jumped over to the next one. So these are all right next to each other. Because again, yeah, yeah, let's get out of grief. Let, let's go to something really fun and hip and happy. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. oh, no. This episode begins uh, back at Wit's End with Jack, Connie, and Eugene. Uh, Eugene uh, is wearing a suit because Katrina's dad is in town. Yes. That's right. Remember Katrina? That's Eugene's girlfriend sometimes. Yeah. The hurricane? She's well, back in pog form. He's back in pog form. It, she's back in pog form. We're all back in pog form. <laughs> and uh, Eugene <laughs> goes up to the Bible room. Yeah. And there's like this weird slapstick thing where he like pushes Samson's pillars aside. Yeah. And gets dust all over his nice suit jacket. And then this completely inscrutable interaction happens between Eugene and Katrina's dad. I'd like you to meet my father, Armitage. Daddy... This is Eugene. Oh, it's um, nice to meet you, Eugene. Uh, as am I, Mr. Shanks. Uh, that is to say, it's a pleasure to uh, salute you, sir. I mean, likewise, I'm sure. Uh, if you understand my meaning. Yes, Eugene, shall we go to lunch? Uh, maybe Eugene would like to clean himself up a little first. Huh? I'm not sure he wants to go to this particular restaurant looking like he just got out of a drywall contest. What Precisely. the fuck is a drywall a contest? Uh, obviously... <laughs> You're not a bowler. Um, so, well, okay, so I need to say something. For our British listeners, you may have just clued into something here. Katrina Shanks's father is named after a toilet. Yeah. Her father's name is Armitage what? Shanks, which is a what? famous what? plumbing company in the UK where Paul McCusker, who wrote this episode, lives. So he did get more British. He certainly did. I guess. Yeah. But the dad isn't even a toilet character. That's so strange. No, no. Th this, he, this is why they make a character later named Wooten Bassett. I mean, he could have at least done the thing of like, my name is Armitage Shanks. I work in plumbing. And then it would have been like a ba-dump-bump. Yeah, but no, it, we don't no, even get This is just Paul McCusker no. having a little in-joke for himself and his completely American audience and his completely <laughs> American co-workers. <laughs> a thought that I just had 
is that yeah. we probably have introduced more British people to adventures in Odyssey than Focus on the Family <laughs> has. And that's very they upsetting to me. Us. We're spreading the good word, yeah. Josh. We're really getting it out like, there. Uh, there was one line in here that actually got a genuine laugh out of me because it felt like such a Simpsons line. But Eugene brings down the Samson and Delilah exhibit and he says, Samson was supposed to bring down the temple, not I. <laughs> and it's like, that's just such a Milhouse yes, line and delivery, which is funny because Milhouse obviously in this episode yes Wait. that's pamela hayden who also plays katrina shanks what the voice of katrina shanks is the voice oh, you of milhouse <laughs> you didn't know that right milhouse from the simpsons milhouse yeah yeah the same one yeah yeah yeah, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? yeah and her I dad's know. a literal toilet <laughs> a literal fucking toilet dude <laughs> i want you to have that image in your head for the rest of the episode he's just like a urinal <laughs> he's just walking around <laughs> no i want the seat to move oh, sure. i want the seat to definitely talk, to flap yeah, around definitely. as the mouth Googly eyes on the tank. <laughs> Come on. So Katrina's dad, Armitage Shanks, the literal toilet, yeah. um, is basically just here to fuck with Eugene. And it's also not at all made clear in the writing of this episode how much is supposed to be like kayfabe or not. Yeah. We really have no yeah. uh, understanding of who Armitage Shanks is as a character other than Katrina's dad. And he's but a wasp. Well, he he, he, he is speaks wasp. and does in a waspy way. And uh, or maybe he's a fucking Claremont guy. Yeah. Uh, but like, because, like, like Eugene is just like him doing a dinner for schmucks, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. We get this interaction and it's fucking wild. Our department has a five year grant to produce statistics related to, uh, well, any number of topics needed for research. No, a grant, huh? Sponging off the taxpayers, then? Yeah, I, I beg your pardon? Daddy. I suppose you're on some kind of scholarship, too. Well, as part of the grant, yes. See? <laughs> I think students should make their own way through college. I did. Daddy, that's nonsense, and you know it. Tell me, Eugene, when are you going to get a real job? What's going on here? I don't know. I think this is just how wasps are, according to Paul McCusker. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But also, I just feel like if you're over the age of, like, eight or nine, daddy should be off the table that's that's just my that that is a pet peeve of mine but it's just like it's that's you're your supposed to refer to them as father mother <laughs> yes. or by their full name including middle <laughs> and the last I three bigger, digits of their social security <laughs> i think my bigger problem is just hearing millhouse say daddy that much is just a mm. little bit it, it breaks my brain a little Wait, bit Milhouse? but oh for god's this episode <laughs> What do you mean, Millhouse? I'm going to drown you in the pond. <laughs> I'm going to put you there with Mikey the I'm Mouse. I'm going to go right ahead, but I have my high water <laughs> jeans on and my legs will be bone dry. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, Katrina's the, dad, the, 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 Armitage the, 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 Shanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he sounds like Ian McShane. Am I crazy? Well, like that, it's he time sounds... for me to tell you who the voice actor was, AJ. Was it, it was McShane? Ian McShane. <laughs> it was uh, Bernard Erhard. Okay. Which is a great okay. name. Bernard Erhardt. Yes. Uh, he yeah. played uh, the King of Slumberland in Little Nemo. Oh, shit. He's not the only Little Nemo voice actor for some reason. We had a couple others on this show, but that 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 movie just particularly traumatized AJ and me. <laughs> yeah, we, I still have nightmares I've never about, seen uh, it. We'll have to do an episode about it sometime. No, it's totally worthless. No, no I watched oh, it really? as like a teenager and I was like, this is just a bad movie. Okay, we'll watch it on stream. It, actually, it might be interesting to watch. It has an interesting production history and we could talk about like the founding of comic books and things like that. But like, 
trash, just garbage okay. film that somehow Ray Bradbury and uh, Hayao Miyazaki were both a part of. Yeah, the thing is, is that I, I don't know. I haven't watched it in a really long time, but the visuals, it has to be doing something right if the visuals of it have stuck with me. So no, like, it's just because for you were that, for me to like have those kind of nightmares. Just because you were that little. And it, the whole movie operates oh. on the brain of a three-year-old. And three-year-olds are really fucking stupid and make bad movies. Oh, uh, well, you know, <laughs> I was built different. So Your I, movies I was were making, good, actually. I was making masterpieces <laughs> at <laughs> age three. Well, you know who's not making masterpieces at any age? Mm-hmm. Eugene Meltzer. No. He's yeah, blowing no. it. Yeah. He keeps, no, he's he, blowing he, it. he keeps foisting himself by his own petard. Yeah. You know, he, mis- he misplaces his wallet at the dinner. Yeah. There's a fun transition from Samson destroying the whole Philistine temple, whatever, mm. to the dinner table where, like, they're still mid-conversation and then suddenly Eugene has spilled water all over everyone. Mm-hmm. Again, Paul right. McCusker knows how to use the form and he plays with it in these really fun little ways in a mostly uh, extremely boring episode. Yeah, really boring. And, yes. Yeah, Eugene um, is like, I'm going to pay the the check and then he can't. And, you know, this guy is blundering all over yeah. his bus. And hey. Katrina's dad, it turns out, <laughs> was just testing Eugene's patience, intentionally being a dick to see how Eugene would respond. Yeah. And then this this leads to this very strange conversation between Katrina and her dad, where he's like, well, I actually was just doing this because it seems like you care about him more than just as a friend. And also, he's not a Christian and you're a Christian. He's not and a Christian! You- <laughs> <laughs> and you need to be on the same page about faith and uh, I'm doing all of this because I'm your father and I'm wise? Question mark? What the fuck is going on? Because like, yeah, he's oh. not a Christian. She just Presumably. converted. But he, he's like, well, you need to have... Uh, I, I, I don't... But his whole thing to Katrina is that she needs to shit or cut bait. Eugene, meanwhile, uh, freaks out to Jack, right? Because he's had a terrible time at this dinner. And yeah. it turns out that Katrina's concerns about like, well, I'm a Christian. He's not a Christian. Well, Eugene has the exact same concerns, but sort of from the other side. Yeah. Right. And here Jack goes full fucking wit mode where he's like, well, this might not be my business. but <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Every positive thing we had to say about Jack and it's all gone now. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's this idea of like, you know, as the Bible says, you don't want to be unequally yoked. Right. Yeah. If, if yeah. you have different faith beliefs, one of you will hold the other back. And, you know, because the ultimate objective is for everybody to become a Christian, mm-hmm. uh, right. if what you are doing is not in the service of everybody becoming a Christian, then it's not going to work out for you. Yeah. Everybody loves this Christian. is a lot of episodes. Every time Eugene and Katrina do something, we always have the thing where like each scene happens twice. It's like they were yes. supposed to cut one or the other, and then we just have both in there. It's, yeah, we just get the we get the fucking dad's got an idea beat again. Yeah, we get it, it's 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 Han Solo talking to Jabba and then talking to Greedo. I actually think this episode is indicative of a lot of other like McCusker esque flourishes because it's actually not about the characters at all. It is actually about writing a sitcom. It is about Eugene realizing that he is in a sitcom. Sure. And it is about him dealing with the fact that he is trapped in a never-ending cycle and is McCusker literally putting himself into many different roles saying, hey, listen, um, so our listenership is like, they got to get together or they're not going to get together. You have to make this decision now because we've been fucking spinning our wheels for like, what, a hundred episodes at this point. Let's just fucking do this. Let's pull the trigger one way or the other. And to McCusker's credit, they choose the more interesting one, I think. 
they could have just had them get together here. Yeah. Eugene could have just converted. But again, he shows incredible restraint at not making Eugene a Christian immediately. Well, and, and the sort of in-world reason given for this is this idea that like everybody needs to experience it on their own time and at their own pace. Which, yes. first of all, very strange because like you'll also just as quickly hear like, we got to get him now. Get like, it. They, gotta do it. They say they do both at the same time. But here is Connie talking to Katrina a little bit about how these sorts of things work. The only thing I can think to do is pray. Pray? But but how? I mean, I'm, for what? Pray that God will bring someone into Eugene's life who will have an impact, who who penetrate his defenses. Pray for someone else? Yeah. I'm sorry, Katrina, but it won't be you. If I wasn't sure before, I'm sure now. In fact, you're probably getting in the way. Maybe we all are. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> well, they explain the idea. Because, right, what, it, then it, yeah. it comes down to a confrontation between Katrina and Eugene, where this idea gets a full rundown of, well, it, yeah, I'm just going to run it. We're just going to yeah. play it. Maybe the problem has been us. Me, even Wit, Connie, Jack, Wit's end, all of us. How so? We've given you a very safe and reasonable environment. One that doesn't demand anything of you. It's as if you've been inoculated against Christianity, like the flu. You've been given mm. enough of a dose in order to become immune to it. You've had just mm. enough Christianity to become immune to its impact. Oh, I thought there weren't any miracles of science. I listen to this and I'm like, uh, I mean, that's almost an insightful thing. That's actually kind of a weirdly like self-aware statement to make that like sometimes evangelicals, you know, are like they, they perceive themselves as so accommodating of other people that it's just like. Uh, uh, people get used to it and then they don't want to convert. Yeah. Right? It and just becomes so, the cultural milieu that someone is in. And so they're not being pressured up. But that's the thing is that I don't what this episode doesn't really offer is like, OK, but then how do you convert someone like Eugene? And yeah. I know the show will offer we'll a solution there. to yeah. that. Yeah. But it, but it feels like it's like um, it's going to have to be a major change of some kind. It's either going to have to be. Um, this is a wild this is a wild poll, but I just watched this movie called The Puffy Chair, which is a film I hated when I was 16 years old. And I actually think is actually a kind of a brilliant movie now. But it was like the Duplass Brothers, like first yeah. movie. And one of the things in that is uh, it's a breakup movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Over the course of the whole whole thing. It's just about this one relationship slowly devolving. And at the end, spoilers, they break up. But uh, he has uh, Mark Duplass has a conversation with his dad while sitting on the porch and asks his advice about like, well, what do I do here? And he says, well, son, you know, now know as much about this relationship as you are ever going to know. So you now have to make the choice of whether you stay or whether you go. Uh, I know you're waiting for a big moment to force your hand one way or the other, but I'm telling you that moment is not coming. So you have to make the choice. Mm. And I feel like Odyssey is going to have a big thing happen. That is my guess, Mm -hmm. is that there's going to be a big thing that happens that forces Eugene to make the choice, as opposed to him himself choosing to be Christian, because that's what happened with Connie. Mm -hmm. So that's how Connie was converted. So you think that Eugene will have a moment where he finally says to himself, the time has come. Yeah. 
I think so. <laughs> well, if I got good news for you. <laughs> Shot called. Um, I think the thing that's so wild to me about this interaction, too, is that like after Katrina like breaks up, breaks up with Eugene, there's like this moment with her dad, which is very like, agent, you have completed the mission after like <laughs> fucking killing a guy, you know? And it's like, what, yeah. what is this? What's I feel going like, on yeah, here? I feel like the dad would just make more sense if he was just a guy who hated Eugene. Right. Yeah. Like there's yeah. too oh, much absolutely. confusion in what they're Very trying confusing. to do with, with Armitage toilet that. Well, he knows too much. Yeah. He, he is just Paul McCusker, yeah. who has graced like, the yeah, world. Like when and of Dobson course he depicted himself up as a in toilet. Odyssey. It's just McCusker has ended up in Odyssey right. as a sentient toilet. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> it happens. Fill me up with your golden juice. <laughs> See, went the whole episode without doing a cum thing. Because I was ready to do a piss thing. We almost got all of them. We need to get saliva, uh, uh, snot. Okay, if we're, if we're, if we're counting like above the waist to. fluids, there's so many. There's hundreds of. We're fluids. just talking about number. We got yellow bile. We got black bile. I'm strictly talking about number one and other number one, <laughs> as I like to call I'm it. I'm looking out oh. for number one. <laughs> Oh my but god. But I think it's always I this and I that. What happened to us? Yeah, but I think what's really important, I, I do want to get like very serious for a second because I think yeah. the way that they've written Katrina's last line for a while at least um is setting up what the show is going to become, where things are about to go immediately and also mm. you know the, the things that are going to hang up in the air for Katrina and where she's going to be, what her relationship with Eugene is going to be going forward, because this ends up becoming an important thing for the entire rest of the run of Adventures in Odyssey through the present. And so I just want to play this line and and I want us to, to discuss what we think of it. Is this the untimely end of Millhouse? Wait, Millhouse? If you've enjoyed this episode, we have plenty more just like it at patreon.com slash worst of all for $5 a month or $10 a month if you're feeling particularly generous and would like to listen to Lab's cast, our monthly direct, uh, our monthly live to tape show where we shoot the shit about whatever is on our mind. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. They have both turned around from their cameras. They're shunning me Amish style. I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. you're not listening to me. I wanted to discuss it. It's serious. I'm the worst of all possible, Brian's. Bye. <laughs> See you next week.